JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. What in the hell do you think you are doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, oh, the dickens. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, let's get started on this Monday. Welcome in. It should be a busy week, a noted week. We'll find out the direction in which this team is going to go, the direction in which the quarterback is going to go. You know, I, I do some other shows at times. One of those would be Tony Katz. Tony Katz has a couple downstairs on 93 WIBC. And everybody wants to know, what do you think this is right now? And I have gone from, it's going to be a foregone conclusion the dude is going to play here, to it doesn't look like two sides are going to come together. But it's funny how you see, you know, even nationally, even nationally you get a lot of that, what once was the prevailing opinion that he was going to be dealt to, well, you know what, maybe not so much right now. It's kind of the way that it is. But the deadline to get that offer for the Colts is coming up tomorrow. I just sit here and can't imagine that a team would give up, especially a team like Miami. I know that Miami may be a running back away from getting something done. It might be Daniel. Love to be able to utilize a significant running game. And I would guess everybody involved has probably been told that the health or regarding the health of Jonathan Taylor. You just look back on it here and you wonder just how badly it's going to bite you. Because I know everybody's sick and tired of this and I'm right there with you. I mean, believe me, I went through all the luck stuff. It was daily. It was even worse than this, in fact. But because we went through that, it makes this even worse, and you're really sick and tired of it. But for our circumstances around here, 
I'll give you a great example. If we were like ESPN nationally and Mike Greenberg, then I can uh, give you a sports arousal early on a Monday show in, you know, wow, Aaron Rodgers played. Hey. If you guys are watching via YouTube Live, that's that's my impression of Mike Greenberg talking about Aaron Rodgers. Is that. <laughs> that's what you're going to get all year. I mean, all year. And that's what you're going to get here all year is a high concentration on a topic regarding the Colts, even if you might be a little bit spent on it. And I don't I don't blame you whatsoever. Get back to that coming up in a minute, too. Again, we'll be watching things. James, you got to keep your eyes. Everything open over there. Well, not everything, but most things open over there. Nah, Corey, I don't really want to talk about the Cubs. I'll tell you what, Cubs fans. Cubs fans really want me to see the Cubs trip and fall like major. I don't know why. The way you guys do that. I don't do that with the Reds. Why? Why do you guys do that? I want to see you guys trip and fall. I think it'd be hilarious. Now, like my friend doesn't play there anymore, so I'd really like to see your team bust their ass. I think that'd be funny. How do you guys just push it? I know you're joking, Corey. That's all the way around, man. Just kind of... Yeah, kind of rub it in. I mean, like, like we thought the Reds were going to do anything. That's neither here nor there, by the way. Get back to the cut down, of course. Got to come to 53 uh, tomorrow afternoon. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Kenyon Drake is an interesting story. Kenyon Drake is a guy that has had his moments. And you probably have followed Kenyon Drake more if you play fantasy football than anything else. Because he gave you moments. He gave you some moments where you thought, hey, I got to go pick him up. Maybe he can do something for you. And he didn't end up doing anything for you. That's exactly, Kenyon Drake, his his time here reminded me exactly of how it felt. Not a lot of things equate to fantasy football. Because I know that's laughable. But Kenyon Drake here kind of did. It was like, you're going to bring him in and see what he can do. And then I guess ultimately, according to the Colts, he ended up doing nothing. And that's like Kenyon Drake, if you ever picked him up in fantasy. Because it would have been a week prior, he did something, scored big, and then you pick him up, and he does absolutely nothing. And the time that Kenyon Drake had here, that's that. You know, a lot is being focused on Mo Alley Cox with, you know, the hamstring tear injury situation. We talked about this on Friday with Jelani Woods. With that looming large, I mean, even if you like Will Mallory, even if you you like Ogletree, who's healthy now, kind of seems like then maybe we'll see if Mo ends up getting getting a pass, so to speak, because of the Jelani Woods injury. Just think about that for a moment, too. What tight end is going to step up and be the guy, or what tight end is going to step up and be the Dallas Goddard of this offense? I would immediately, just like you, we would all say Jelani Woods. Jelani Woods needs to get healthy. Jelani Woods needs to get serious. You can't be both. Cannot be. You you got, well, I should say you need to be both here. You got to be serious and you got to be healthy. But the whole healthy part and being in shape, I think, also is the lead factor in the injuries because I mean, Dallas Goddard was so huge in that offense in Philly a year ago. And you're kind of thinking, all right, with Shane Steichen running the offense, who is going to be that Goddard role? And 
when you look at the tight end position, it would seem to fit, would it not? With Jelani Woods, he had a couple of moments a year ago. A big athletic. But man, you got to stay on the field, don't you? There's a big deal. I was asking a little bit earlier today, if you're looking at it from a defensive standpoint, you know, A, what most concerns you, and B, what do they need to happen? Well, I think we all know what needs to happen because we're overly concerned about the secondary. Let me see a show of hands out there who is incredibly concerned about the secondary. Yes, exactly. Young, inexperienced, and I mean highlight inexperience right there. Now, what could help a very inexperienced secondary out defensively if you could get consistent quarterback pressure? Dio Dengbo, Quiddy Pay, big years for both right there. You go all the way back to consistent edge pressure that Robert Mathers provided, all the way back to that. That's really the last time. And listen, I maintain this. I thought... I thought Yannick Ngakwe would certainly add a lot more than just basically what he has been the past couple of years. He comes in, he gets double-digit sacks again, but there is nothing like major momentum turning, nothing you can count on, and that's why I always say something consistent. Because you'll get a sack here or there, and you go, okay, great. But something that is a consistent pressure and especially a consistent pressure off the edge if you talk about up the middle i think everybody's satisfied with that in terms of buckner and stewart i think everybody's good with that but any edge pressure that can be provided whatsoever consistently for the first time since robert mathis and and calvin fitz brings up a good point what is the strength of the defense I would have to say, if you're going to argue the strength of it, it would be the two up front, Calvin. It was the two up front. However, if you don't have other parts working, especially think how long they've been chasing any sort of edge rusher, any sort of consistent rusher. I mean, if you don't have that, and then both sides of this are screwed. So really, if you're talking about putting quarterback pressure on and doing that consistently that could help out a secondary but I think we all kind of feel you guys get the feeling and this is not just coming from a negative standpoint here but you guys get the feeling that this secondary is primed to be torched you guys get the feeling in week number one it's primed to be torched I kind of have that feeling too you know all this does equate again For the most part, everybody is dialed in and okay with Anthony Richardson being the focus and the growth, the production, uh, the maturation of a 20-year-old quarterback. That's what's most important. But I'm telling you, it'd be okay if you went a few along the way. It'd be okay if for the first time you kind of over-delivered on something. When's the last time this team over-delivered? Seriously, when's the last time this team, when's the last time this organization over-delivered? Anybody have anything in mind? Over-delivered. The last playoff win? 
going to the divisional round with Luck in Kansas City. I, I don't know if that was over-delivering. Because I think they still had to, in the final week, play their way in. Got a road win, and then lost to Kansas City. But when was the last time they over-delivered? Was that Luck's rookie season? Is that the last time? Because everything else, I think, after that, had expectations. Now, it has been a long time. And there is something that I believe that is key about that. And that's uh, David Daring says 2012. That's the last time this team over-delivered. And there has been a lot of talk. There have been a lot of promises made. And certainly a similar level of promises broken. I mean, we're not that far away from all chips in. And I would say this, if I were Jim Irsay and I wanted to re-rack that quote, I would say all chips in to help out this quarterback transform into what you hope that he is going to be. Yeah, that's not, that is absolutely mad true there too. The Colts have over-delivered on bad quarterback play. I will say this, the lasting memory of the final two weeks of the season with Carson Wentz, and I mean, it was it was certainly up and down, but I still can't get away from that Christmas feeling we had about it. That Christmas night feeling was the most dangerous team of the AFC. I remember Rich Eisen saying that, the most dangerous team of the AFC. The Indianapolis Colts, look what they did without key components on a Christmas night in Arizona. And then after that was a flat disaster, and after that it's been a disaster. Yeah, they have not over-delivered since Luck's rookie season. Be nice if you can do that. Be nice if you can do that in the season where most people see. I'm not the only one around that is negative on the win versus loss column this year. I think most people kind of understand it at this point, and you should understand it at this point. I mean, you just hate to say it. Yeah, I got to put that out there a little bit later on, too. So come tomorrow when this so called deadline hits. Where will Jonathan Taylor be? I have bounced around on this a couple of different times, and believe me, I hate doing it. But if the Colts, I want to know how willing the Colts might be to move off the number one. Yeah, it's funny. You say, well, they should be absolutely unwilling, but they've been more than willing to move off of other pronouncements haven't they he will not be traded he will not be traded in October he will not be traded Uh, evidently you moved off of that you kind of just get the feel right now more than anything else that there are irreconcilable differences working Maybe not so much from a Colts standpoint. I mean, you're looking at the Colts, and the Colts just say, hey, you're going to play. We want you to play for this. I would maintain this, however, if the Colts were able to just do anything. I think I've described it as if they could just massage financially the situation, why couldn't you? Why wouldn't you try? 
unless there's something more deeply rooted where this guy is absolutely hurt and he's trying to get into better finances while knowing he's absolutely hurt. Does that tell you something, too? Does that tell you that maybe there's something more to his injury situation, given the fact that, at least to this point, the Colts have been completely unwilling? I'm not talking about even an extension. I'm just talking about, here, a couple more bucks here. Now, go out and prove it. I I know that the market running back-wise is incredibly saturated coming up next offseason. But let me tell you this, as far as a running back is concerned, you see Josh Jacobs yesterday, and maybe that's going to set a bit of a tone. It just kind of seems like that this is different. I mean, everybody's really trying to, you know, unlock the key as far as information is concerned and compare running backs and situations. Well, you know, look what happened to Josh Jacobs recently. You know, people want to compare it to Saquon Barkley, and, and those are all different. What is interesting to me is there is such, there should be such an understanding on both sides that each would be necessary. Let's face it, the way that it is felt, right? I mean, both sides really need one another. Now, if you can find a trading partner, if Miami's that trading partner and they're willing to give you what you want while also, because you know what they're going to have to do in the process, they're going to have to extend him. Pay more money if they're willing to do that. I guess you jump on that. But otherwise, you know, if the options are few and far between, it was funny. I think I saw Stephen Holder had mentioned that there may be another team involved. I was thinking about this a little bit earlier today. You know, what other teams out there besides the obvious one, the Dolphins, that could use the services of the Colts running back? Now, again, I don't know what they'd be willing to give, and I'm assuming everybody is absolutely lowballing the hell out of the Colts. That's my assumption. Yeah, I always bring up Buffalo. I bring up Buffalo because you got at some point, you got to turn Josh Allen, and we'll be at this point with Anthony Richardson sometime down the road. But at some point, the quarterback option of running so much and taking so many hits has to not be completely eliminated from the playbook, but has to certainly shrink a column in the playbook. Always calling your own number and taking vicious hits is, as we know around here, perfectly fine. It's a recipe for disaster. But it does not appear the Bills have any interest. You know, the other one, I guess, would be, you know, in the backfield for Lamar Jackson, maybe a team like Baltimore. I saw Adam Schefter went on radio in Chicago this weekend or at the end of last week or whatever and suggested the Bears are not a player in it. But that is where we are right now, and that is the holding pattern in which we have maintained for a long period of time. You know, you feel that it's silly right now. Do you think once the truth is unloaded, once we really find out what's going on, do you think it's going to make more sense to you? Or really, in in typical Colts fashion over the years, recent history, is it going to be as silly as some of these other situations as we found out were? Uh, The clock is ticking. 
Well, we will talk that up at 239-1070 if you so desire. I do have plenty of time to get you in here. I know that we're diving into a holiday weekend. A lot of people are going to take some end of the week off. I'll give you a great reason to join me, too. I mean, a great reason to join me. I got to get my sleep this week. I should say this week. This weekend is going to be heavy. Heavy for the 53-year-old. James Boyd coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. The Colts cut down what they're looking for. The news on Danny Pinter was, as we thought, bad, broken ankle, done for the season for a team that has zero offensive line depth. There's something else that Chris Ballard over the years has always talked about, building depth and wanting the most depth is zero depth. When was the last time you felt they had depth in anything? It is incredible. It's almost like everything that has been a philosophy has been a 180. You know, think about that. It's like the George Costanza rule. I'm going to go ahead and do the opposite. You know, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to step out and I'm going to tell everybody around here that's a scribe in Indianapolis that covers the Colts. You know what? I'm not really worried about having depth on this team. And then maybe you get some depth. Not really worried about it. You know, I like our starting group, and they rarely, if ever, ever get injured. Yeah, last year was a blip on the radar. Got rid of the offensive line coach, brought in a new guy, new philosophy, new offensive scheme, different results. Just do the opposite. If you have a philosophy or a blueprint for your so-called success, look at it. And believe me, I've done that before, too. Just George Costanza that and go the opposite. Seriously, look down the line. It can't be about one guy. It can't just be about the quarterback. Yeah, believe me, in the NFL, it can. Now, maybe there's a team that's an anomaly like San Francisco where it isn't, and you can still get to the NFC title game with Brock Purdy, and then he can be the starter, and you could trade 900 first-round picks for this guy and then trade this guy for a fourth-rounder and Trey Lance. On Friday, think about that too. There's another one of those situations where that would cost basically anybody their gig. That would you know, the general manager would be hosed. All right, so this is what we gave up. That was going to be our future quarterback. That hasn't worked, and maybe even the head coach too. But you just don't view San Francisco like that, do you? Because they can, I don't know if it's ever going to equate to winning a Super Bowl or hell, even getting to a Super Bowl. But you look at their path and they cover everything else and then just kind of slot in the quarterback. Skill position players, strong defensive players, edge rushers. Playmaking ability, especially defensively with playmaking ability. Then if you're John Lynch, yeah, you go ahead and go on your hometown broadcast, that final preseason game, and tell everybody, yeah, no, we basically gave the world to get Trey Lance, and we just traded him for a fourth rounder. Most people would get gated immediately, see ya. But with their success, with their success, you're able to sustain See what the Colts end up getting if that is their chosen path. Yeah, for the Colts, seriously, the whole Costanza thing. This is this is what we're really thinking, but we'll do the opposite. 
Not about one guy, not about the quarterback. Got to be, got to build inside out. A lot of depth. Let's go ahead and do the opposite. See if that works out. We'll see if there's some sort of conclusion over the course of this afternoon on this show. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live, I am so stinking happy you guys are in here. Good to see you. And I say see you because I can't see you guys. You can see me, but you guys can type in, tell me what everything is about. Tell me what's going on. And normally, too, there's a lot of what is going on in this show that is talked about in there. But there's also a lot of what is not going on on this show yet during the breaks is going on on this show. I mean, it's really kind of unique when you think about it. And I, I love using it, too. I don't know if the other shows use it as much as I do, but I'm in there all the time. And it's probably more than anything else. It's a very PG-13. Would you say that, James, a PG-13? I'd say that, Inside yeah. the lounge, yeah. About PG-13. Yeah. I'm trying to think, what what has to happen to get an R rating anymore? Uh, definitely a couple F-bombs, for sure. Well, PG-13, I mean, you can see there'd be some toplessness going on and still get a PG-13, right? That's true. Yeah. That's true. It's not R-rated in there. Not by any stretch of the imagination, but it is a good conversation. We have a lot, even inside the show, outside the show, going on inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I mentioned James Boyd is going to join us from The Athletic. Zach Kiefer also with Robert Mays is starting a weekly show on the NFL. We'll uh, promote that for Zach coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Hey, write this down. I do want to get Robert Mays on at some point, too. So write that one down. It's James over there, by the way, everybody. Uh, 239-1070, email address to jmv at 1075thefan.com. Uh, shout out to Notre Dame fans. Go to Ireland and just run roughshod over Navy. Navy just likes to run, no passing. Seems like Notre Dame feels they have a pretty strong quarterback. What do they call that? Zero week or whatever? I don't know. Why can't you just call it week one? Week one is officially underway, and everybody is involved. Uh, you, Purdue, we had Tom Allen, Ryan Walters on last week, podcast with each 1075thefan.com. I did watch Team USA this morning in the FIBA World Cup of Basketball in Manila. Uh, they uh, rolled all over Greece. As you would expect. Little League World Series. A walk-off in the Little League World Series. About that for a moment for a 12, maybe 13-year-old. Depending upon when the birthday is. How would you like to have that as a moment? Walked off versus Curacao. And then you know, in the top of that inning, four runs down, Curacao got a grand slam. Tied things up. How would you like that? I mean, it... 12 years old. How many 12-year-olds have their their life-defining signature moment? Now, I can say a lot of them when I was 12, but certainly not for anything this level. Team California wins the Little League World Series on a walk-off. That is pretty cool. Did you play sports, James? I uh, played rec basketball up until like eighth grade, and then I did a bit of wrestling and uh, a bit of rec football what's for a the couple e- of years. What's the equivalent of a walk-off in wrestling? You ever have a walk-off? Uh, I, the equivalent, I guess, would maybe being like in the last seconds getting a pin. 
Okay. Yeah. Oh, I got you. I was thinking. I thought you were talking about ink pen for a minute, but then I uh, started no, thinking no. about wrestling. All right. Here's your pen. Yeah, nothing baseball-wide. I mean, basketball free throws, um, down one to salt it away. That's about the closest. Yeah, what a moment for that kid. Uh, we can hit that as Coy brought up accurately. You watched my reds yesterday. My God, if I, I'm sitting there and I, I try not to let this get to me. And then I had to watch Giblet come out there. What's his name? Jabal or Giblet or what? It could. Giblet had to come out there and walk in, in the bottom of the eighth inning. Tie game, Arizona. Incredibly important series. Giblet came out there and walked the first two batters that he faced. And then they bring Lucas Farmer Giblet out there so he could walk the third consecutive. They had three batters, and I blank you not on this, through one strike. One, three batters and one strike. How in the world can that even happen? Three batters and one strike. It was Nuke Lelouchish to sis. So that was enough to make me sick late yesterday. Hey, by the way, too, if you're watching Winning Time on HBO, it might have been last night the best one so far. The best one so far. Uh, That's on HBO, of course. Winning Time regarding the 80s Lakers. Centered around Magic Johnson, a lot of Larry Bird last week, a lot of French Lick references. Like Bird, they're playing an exhibition game, right? In L.A. before the start of the season. Bill Fitch wasn't going to play Bird. And Bird said, why do you bring me out to La La Land if you're not going to play me? Just good stuff. If you guys like bad, and I, listen, I know that the personalities are overblown. And there's a lot of stuff that's incredibly inaccurate. But if you're looking for just some juiced entertainment, that'll get it done. I mean, on a Sunday night, what the hell else are you doing? Come on. Watching the Braves and the Giants. Watching football last night, that final exhibition game. Yeah, watch that. It's pretty good. Entertaining. I know the Jerry West thing's blown completely out of proportion, but it makes me laugh every time. It's almost like it goes over the top. I mean, it's, well, every other word is like an F-bomb or something. It's, it's like it's almost over the top. The actor's Jason Clark. Quick break. We'll come back. James Boyd, top of the hour. Zach Kiefer coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Stuff to give away today? He says no. Everybody's out of the building, so nothing to give away. I tell you what I have for you, though. I got a weekend for you. If you don't have any Labor Day weekend plans, I got them. We'll talk about that coming up as well. 239-1070. Jump on board. I'll talk to you on the other side. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, HD Radio, the stream, the app, and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Everybody freeze. Everybody down on the ground. Well, which is it, young feller? You want I should freeze or get down on the ground? If I freeze, I can't rightly drop. And if I drop, I'm going to be in motion. You see? Shut up! 
Okay, then. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, proving that he is the modern-day Dave Kingman. Kyle Schwarber of the Phillies has 36 singles to go along with 36 home runs. Like a modern-day Rob Deere. All or nothing. 36 home runs and 36 singles on the season. That's um, that's impressive. Uh, JMV, I heard you talking about the Colts releasing players in that first segment. Did you think Rashad Perriman had an opportunity? You just didn't hear his name very much. Just didn't hear it very much whatsoever. And by the way, JMV, how much is it going to add to a lot of work considering Jelani Woods and his torn hamstring? I think he missed, he, I mentioned this on Friday, he missed the, uh, the minicamp, OTAs. He was back, I want to say, for the first three days of camp, And then has not been seen since. And a variety of things. Injury-wise, I mean, torn hamstring, you're not going to make light of that. But others have told me that maybe uh, health, I shouldn't say health, uh, being as conditioned as possible was an issue. But yeah, a lot, a lot to lean on as far as that is concerned. Hey, JMV, curious about your thoughts here. Have we ever talked more about something we know less about than Jonathan Taylor's situation? Jim, absolutely. We all lived through Andrew Luck. We had no idea. We had no idea. The only thing that you knew was, no, I shouldn't say that. I take this back. No less about the Taylor. It was equally in the dark regarding Andrew Luck most of the time. And that's when the Colts felt that maybe, because I talked about this often, they should be more transparent. And as I've told you in the past, most teams, when they become transparent, they're only transparent to a point to where they feel comfortable, i.e. transparent to a point where they would be giving you this information anyway. Uh, you go back to, and I don't know if they do these anymore. I never got the invitation. I completely understand. But when they held, you know, the the gatherings of local media, when Chris Bauer did that, it wasn't so much a fact-finding tour as it was, okay, we're going to let these guys in and we'll let them know stuff that we would be okay in telling them anyway. So they are still going to keep the door locked. But with the whole luck thing, uh, it was just a winding road of a bunch of junk. And this is still not as bad as that was. I don't know what anybody else believes. This is still not as bad. It's still not as bad because when he played, then you're talking about a playoff team. If Taylor plays, it just helps out the team production if he's healthy. It helps out the quarterback. The inexperienced quarterback. So I've been through it. I'm as tired of it as you are. But yeah, the the luck saga was much more ridiculous. 
And then consider the season that you're coming off of here. Like last year was like just a huge. It's funny. It's funny how drafting a quarterback can calm things down, even if things are not calm. Like all he had to do on Thursday night was go out and run. And he had me talking on Friday about how refreshing it was. And going to run here and run there. And then he's got like a 44% completion percentage that we didn't really talk in depth about in the preseason. Well, he's running around, he's extending the play and all that. It just seems like most of you out there right now are okay with it occasionally being exciting. But you kind of anticipate what you're going to get, and that is a losing season, much like you got a year ago. Well, wait a minute, they only won four games a year ago. Well, get ready. Vegas odds are around six, six and a half right now. Anybody taking the over on that? Probably not. Hey, JMV, I think the last time the Colts over-delivered was the first half of the 2019 season when they were five and three and Brissett didn't actually look too bad. Was that the Pittsburgh game that kind of ended all that right there when uh, Hoyer came in? I think there was a Pittsburgh game where they tripped and fell and then that was that for the remainder of the season, and that was the Adam Vinatieri missed field goal saga, if memory serves. All right, 239-1070 is the number. You guys can jump on here. James Boyd at the Athletic Top of the Hour. Zach Kiefer has a new NFL show weekly with Robert Mays on the Athletic. Zach's going to join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. A look around the NFL and certainly pointed at the expectation. Any news regarding Jonathan Taylor today? We are scouring the Internet for the latest. I'm looking at my phone. Let me see. The latest on my phone is. You ready? What's up? We would like to have you in to get this new VD Pure treatment. It's kind of like PRP for my head. <laughs> it's not what you're looking for. But thank you, Darren, for that. Whatever VD is, Vitae or VD? I don't know what that is. Some medical procedure. I think what's going to happen to me, like I'm going to have this full, full head of like George Washington looking hair. <laughs> like, Incredible. Uh, that's the latest from the text messaging I have. Anybody else out there? If anybody else has any really good information and you have my phone number, you go ahead and text me that right now. We'll stand by for the latest on Jonathan Taylor. Donk's going to lead this afternoon at 239-1070. Donk, jump in here. What's up, brother? Hey, uh, I know it's been a kind of a boring summer, but, <laughs> hey, I'm not sure if you had a chance to watch any of this FIBA basketball. Not only is uh, Mr. Halliburton showing out, but one Daniel Theus, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. Tice. Tice. Daniel yep. Tice, man. Him and the Wagners. Dude, he man, this brother's been freaking knocking uh, – Knocking down threes, making great defensive plays, man. I think I think there's place in the rotation for this guy. Well, he's I mean, he's I, still a part of it right now. I don't quite know if he's still going to be there though. But he he's been hooping for Germany. Outstanding, hey man, appreciate. Yeah, uh, call any time, dog. Thank you very much. BT Deuce up next. BT. JMB, my friend, how you doing? You're going to tell me how sick and tired you are of this Jonathan Taylor saga. Oh crap! Wrong show. I was gonna. Request, <laughs> I was gonna request some Holland Oats. Oh, we well, could do that too if you want. <laughs> Would you like to hear a kiss on my list, or I can't go for that? 
What do you got? Um, how about Kiss on My List? From the album Voices in 1980. Here's Kiss Maybe on My List for BT Do. What's up, buddy? You you have so much useless trivia knowledge. Mm, I know it is. You know what? Sometimes I feel so. This is weird, right? I think this is just kind of the old man in me a little bit, is that I will... Um, I, I know the information, but sometimes I, I mix it up. It's not mixed up in my head, but it, by the time it gets to my mouth and comes out, it's mixed up. I don't know why. That that's that's a occa- that occasionally happens. I I misspeak, so I'm with you. It is not for the hey, lack of information, however. But J JT mm. he has to pass a physical to get traded, right? He's got to pass. So let's just say Miami says, okay, we'll take him, trade him, and he passes a physical tomorrow. Is he not the biggest D-bag in Colts history or what? Well, listen, this is a really odd situation, and I don't feel comfortable in it either because I'm basically suggesting that a guy is ready and able to play and he's because of his contractual situation and so he continues to get paid and not fine is dogging it is sandbagging it and i don't feel really comfortable in saying that but you just kind of look back at how long it takes that injury unless it's something completely new um that that to me seems more reasonable than an ongoing injury, you know, from the ankle or anything else that has transpired. So I don't feel comfortable in saying that, but yeah, to me, I think it is the most reasonable step. And those that really cover the Colts on a daily basis, they won't go there. I have gone there, and maybe I end up being wrong, but I have more of the opinion that it's it's more to benefit him contractually and to still get paid and not get fined than it is anything else. Thus, if if he um, uh, I think if he to me if he signed like in fifteen minutes, that I think he would practice yeah. tomorrow. But I could be wrong. Yeah. So that's I'm my point. You. All right, you're going to play me some Hall & Oates or what? Uh, Hall & Oates coming back in for the next break just for you, BT. All right, brother. Have a good one. It's uh, BT, Hall & Oates coming back in for the next break. Uh, Mystic Waters Campground, that's a tavern. Check that. That is a backyard bourbon broadcast on Friday. Who's going to make it up for that? And then, of course, we make it the entire weekend. More on it coming up. Marcellus is in at 239-1070. Hello, Marcellus. Hey, what's happening, Mr. Ursay? <laughs> Trying to How sift through the rubble. I'm telling you what, I said that there was like there was like deja vu. I talked about that last week. I'm, I'm in my driveway talking to my friend Kyle Kinnett, and I felt this right. enormous sense of deja vu. And when you just came on and, and said that, I like it's this is so similar in certain points to that of right. what we have talked about with Andrew Luck. You kind of get a sense of deja vu. It's too bad. Oh, man. Yeah, I know, man. Look, I I think JT, man, he's just a a victim of circumstance at this point in timing. I mean, the analogy of the NBA where the big man was the guy. He was the focal point of everything. Get it into the Ewans, get it into the Shacks, you know, and then small ball came in. And do we still need big men? But not like we used to. And we don't even use them the same way anymore. Now you got – the NFL with the running quarterbacks, these really athletic guys that run around a lot. And, you know, they're going to have a certain percentage of carries designed for that, you know. So do we need the bell cow guys like Emmett, 
Emmett Smiths and all those guys anymore? No. Do we still need running backs? Yes, not like we used to. And I think JT's just caught up, man. You know, um, you know what's he, funny about all this, Marcellus, is when yeah, I remember yeah. first having this conversation, and it was a foregone conclusion. Well, he's got one year remaining, so you really don't have to worry about this year. And yeah. then you can worry about next year. So you really didn't worry about, you know, what was going to transpire this year because you thought that he was going to be there and ready. And, and what this does, th- this hampers the cause. I mean, it, it just doesn't. Like, you made that analogy to the NBA. Like, right yeah. now, there's an NBA team, and this is not a great comparison because DeAndre Ayton uh, can be a pain and has been. But yeah. Phoenix will still utilize him in a similar big man fashion as we right. know it to be uh, because mm-hmm. that is a necessity of theirs right now until proven otherwise. And that's how I view the Colts with Taylor. He is still a necessity, unlike any other team maybe around the NFL. True. He is still a necessity on this team right now and this season uh, more so than any place else. And mm-hmm. and to not have that, I think, kind of just hampers the cause. Uh, the quarterback, the cause, the offensive cause, I mean, everything a great deal, considering the circumstances. Yeah, yeah good point. I mean, good point on that. You know, I think, uh, I, I, you know, I do think uh, we need to get value for him if he goes. But if he, you know, I hope he stays, but it doesn't, like you said, I think the water is too muddy now. You Seems know? like it, yeah. And, yeah, really, man. And, uh Hey man, thanks for the uh, thanks for the double shot on Saturday. I appreciate. All it. All I'm trying to think, I can remember what I did in 1984 on this date, but damn, went, uh, uh, what was the double shot? <laughs> it was a Nile Rodgers. Yes. Shot. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. that was uh, Lafrique by Sheik and uh, yeah, Sister and, Sledge. Uh, he, yeah, he's the greatest dancer. Yeah. That's good he's stuff, great, right there, man. Great 70s cut. Yes, sir. You got it, Marcellus. Hey, hey, look, you have a good one, man. Talk to you. Mm, talk at you this weekend. All right, quick break. We'll come back. If you're on hold, I'll get to you. James Boyd, top of the hour. Zach Kiefer is coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. We're going to find out news today. Yeah, you got to keep this right here just in case we do. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live is a great spot. Or 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. I fart in your general direction. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberry. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. If I hit the switch, I can make the ass drop. Ice cubes. It's a good day. It's a good day out here. Trying to think about this logically for a moment. Is this... Oh, is it me over here? Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't hear that right off the bat, did I? That's the best hip-hop song of all time right there. I love it. It's still as good today as it was the moment that it came out. But especially here in central Indiana, well, really throughout the Midwest, but certainly central Indiana with great weather today. Hope you're out there enjoying it, but I hope you have us cranked up. Looks like the ACC is closing in on adding Stanford, Cal, and SMU to the ACC. 
some more and finding a seat for the Cardinal and the Golden Bears along with the Mustangs of SMU. Follow that story. And, of course, we'll find out. Uh, Colts continue to pare down to 53. Rashad Perriman, James Washington, a couple of names earlier in the afternoon uh, that were released. They have more than four years, so released and not waived. And we'll follow JT's story as we continue throughout the course of the afternoon. Garrett's up next at 239-1070. Hello, Garrett. How are you? Pretty good, Jamie. How are you doing? Garrett, fantastic. What's up? Oh, not too bad. Um, I just wanted to touch base on something uh, that you said a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been a Colts fan a very long time. Um, I'm very young. I'm 27, but I've been a Colts fan a very long time. And I look forward to being, and I look forward to a cold season, you know, just as much as the next Hoosier. But there has to be a time where, as a fan, you got to be realistic. And you know, I feel, you know, with Anthony Richardson, you know, it's it's not like everything is there, but it's a step in the right direction. You know, we're not. I don't see us going to the playoffs or anything like that for a short time right now. But you know, I got us winning five games this year, but. I think as a fan, you know, you have to be realistic here and, you know, and just realize that this could be just a step in the right direction. Well, I mean, that's how you have to visualize that. You just want, I think, and Garrett, thank you for the call. You, you want you want to to help the young quarterback be put in the best possible situation to grow. And that's what's the bummer out of all this. Yeah, I get exactly what you're saying. That's how I feel. Yeah, I saw this. Let's just go back. I think Pelk Dog to the 26th from uh, Indy Sports saying, so let me get this right. Jonathan Taylor has a whole year left on his rookie deal. Had an injury riddle last year. Can't pass a physical. Got a back injury from activity outside the team. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much of that is true. See, there are so many different slots where you can say, yeah, that's the reason why. You can most easily say, hey, if the guy were traded right now and extended, he would play tomorrow. Get back to that coming up in a minute. Thank you, Pelk Dog, for that. If you're on hold, I get to use that key for 5 o'clock hour. James Boyd is going to join us coming up on the other side. Uma Thurman, the conversation inside the lounge via YouTube Live. That's well done. Know who got that one started, but that's a thumbs, a double thumbs up from the host of this show. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. With JMV. We're putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. There you go, BT Do. By the way, shout to uh, Romy and Sarah, who had their wedding party on Saturday afternoon at the Broad Ripple Tavern. I stopped by. Saw a lot of folks out there. Little Tommy S. from Coaches down there. Um, Who else was there? I saw some Joe's Grill representation. Ryan Miller was in the house. Just a bunch of great folks celebrating two incredible people. Uh, Jim Romanak, and I'm sure most of you know Jim Romanak. Seems like he knows everybody, he and Sarah both, because the place was packed. But uh, 
trying to think. Travis Bell is a DJ that I want to say used to DJ at the Vogue for Retro Rewind. You guys remember that? But he he does he DJs in a unique fashion, and he's been on the '80s cruise. I think that they put together with the uh, former N- MTV VJs. You know, Mark Goodman, Al, and Hunter, and uh, Nita Blackwood are on this. But uh, he he DJs and mixes and also uses video. And that's kind of been his forte over the years. It is really cool. I remember seeing it at the Vogue, but I found myself just kind of sitting on a stool at the Broad Ripple Tavern. I wasn't talking to anybody. I was watching you know, the videos that he put together when he's remixing songs. It was pretty cool. Yeah, well done. But congratulations once again to Romy and Sarah. Just awesome folks. They truly are. And everybody I saw at Broad Ripple Tavern on Saturday afternoon before the JMV takeover. Thank you all uh, so much. Good conversation. Really was. Zach Kiefer, speaking of which, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. On the road on Friday. That's a Backyard Bourbon broadcast. I'll tell you. Well, you guys know where. And we're making a weekend out of it. The Labor Day weekend. Bender is underway officially on Friday. How you can be involved for the day, the night, the Saturday, the Saturday night, or the entirety of the weekend. Info coming up in just a second. Plus your calls inside the lounge via YouTube Live. And right now on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from The Athletic, you hear him all the time and you will hear the foreseeable future, along with Jake Query in the afternoons from noon until 3. James Boyd joins us. Hello, James. How you doing? I'm doing good. Excited for what's to come or what's not to come, you know, in these next 24 hours. Do you uh, do any pickup basketball over the weekend? I did not. And the reason why I don't, do pick up basketball right now because I'm scared I'll be playing basketball and something might happen with JT. Imagine being at the gym and your laptop's at home and things are happening. Oh, you got to take it with you, man. Just put that there on the sideline. Next I know, stuff. I know, but it's, it's, it's just a stressful time. I'm scared to get a haircut because I'm like, what if I'm in the chair and something happens? So I need tomorrow to come to get peace of mind again, whatever happens. All right. Uh, we've all bounced around with uh, more than a handful of theories on this. Where do you presently stand as far as what you believe to be an end result of this? I've been in the camp the last week or so of he will still be an Indianapolis Colts after tomorrow at 4 p.m. Because I think that it's just a lot to ask to try to acquire him. You have to give up trade I mean, compensation, draft picks most likely a player or two, and then you also have to consider the contract extension. So I think that those are all factors that would make this to be – sorry, I'm outside at the Colts facility right now. There's a airplane going overhead. But, um, yes, I think that overall it's a lot to ask of getting him, and I think it's easier to just keep him. James Boyd of the Athletics on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So – I, I know I don't want to put you in a bad spot because I've been one to say that I think that if, if there were a, a new deal and extension signed today that he would practice tomorrow, which certainly has me in, in the side of thinking that he's not injured. But do you believe him to be injured and unready to play regardless of the circumstances by tomorrow? I don't know what to believe. I would lean towards yes. I mean, I just don't understand how any of this could really work. I mean, I guess you could say that maybe he's using the ankle and the pup list to just hold out. 
But we will find out tomorrow, and that's the beauty of it. I think that the biggest thing everyone keeps looking at is, oh, will he get moved? The other thing is, is he healthy? And I think we get a definitive answer tomorrow because if you miss those first four games of the year, obviously you're not healthy. So we've seen Kyler Murray, I think, on the list today. We got announced that he's going to be going to the public start this season, and JT could be the second star yeah. or high-caliber player to do so. I just don't know, you know, what to believe at this point. I feel like I'm just in a in a in a never-ending circle of this hamster wheel. I'm trying to get off it as soon as possible. Yeah, and, and that I would get that's probably going to be the most logical out of this and be down for the first four weeks of the season. What do you think they're getting? They're asking price reportedly was a first-round selection. And I have noted that I bet they're getting low-balled the hell out of right now. But what types of interest and in, in maybe some of those uh, deals that they have, have shot down, what, what do you think that involves? How close are they getting actually what they would like out of this if something were to be done? So I've been of the mindset this is not really an opportunity for them to try to shop JT. I think it's more so like, hey, we're going to jack the price up for you so that no one really wants to come after you and we still get to keep you. So I don't think that this is a legitimate – um, you know, route for them. I think they open the door to make it seem better from the optics standpoint. It's like, oh, we're not going to tell you what you're, you know, not worth anymore. We're going to let the rest of the league tell you what you're not worth. And if they're not meeting what we want for you, then, hey, you'll still be here. So what What do you think? Would, I mean, in, in this case, though, um, do you think they would be hardcore set on a first rounder? If somebody offered up a first rounder today, would they take that? I think so. I do think if they offer the first round, I just don't think anybody is offering the first round because that's not reporting. That's just like like logic. You know, there's no doubt. I mean, for a for a running back, especially one that's supposedly injured right now, you would take that. So exactly, and I do think that the only teams that would really consider giving up a first round pick are the teams that are close to winning a championship. Feel like they're a player away from making a run. And if you look at some of the names that have been out there, I mean, Miami's probably the the best team that's been in these uh, these these discussions or been in these uh, reports, but they're, I don't think they're a player away from being a championship team. I don't think they're right there on the doorstep. They haven't been to like an, you know, a championship game anytime in recent memory. So I just, I'm saying all that to say, I think that again, this is a way to um, sort of have his value. Similar to how Lamar Jackson was with the Ravens. We'll let you try to fill the market. It won't work. And then you'll be back with us. Yeah, I, I thought, you know, obviously he brought up the Ravens, Miami. I agree with you. It just doesn't seem like – and I would also agree that you, you place your price tag so high that nobody is even going to approach it. I mean, let's face it. I mean, what are you really going to get out of this if you were to get something out of it? A fourth rounder? I think – I think I, I mean, the most realistic option I could see is maybe like a second and a fifth you know, and I, maybe I would take that if I was the Colts because, you know, you got JT in the second round to begin with. But that's probably as good as it's going to get, in my opinion. Maybe maybe a second and a third, but, I mean, who's going to give that up? So, um, I'm leaning more towards what you're saying, where it's like a middle to late round pick, but you're not going to give that up for JT, even if he is hurt, because, you know, you want that guy. You want him, whenever he's available, to be on your team. What's the word on Jelani Woods right now? I know torn hamstring. How did all this occur? And uh, how long of a, of a path does he have? Because I, I, I consider him 
the logical guy to play that in the Steichen offense, the Dallas Goddard role that we saw in Philadelphia when he was the offensive coordinator. But with his injury, that certainly puts a cloud over absolutely everything. Where is he in terms of trying to get back from that right now? I'm actually not sure. I know that Nate Atkins from Indy Star reported yesterday, I believe, that he tore his hamstring. I've always just been on the side of, hey, it's a hamstring injury. I go with what the coaches tell me. But I will have to ask Shane Steichen about that. Um, and get an update because if we didn't talk to him in the last couple of days. We'll talk to him, obviously, after cut day and things like that to see where Jelani is. Jelani will not be cut, obviously. But it is concerning because he's missed almost the entire offseason with this hamstring injury. And so he said that he was 100% ready to go when training camp started after having some hamstring issues throughout OTAs and, and rookie uh, or veteran minicamp, rather. But now, you know, you just wonder about the tight end room. You know, he was supposed to be the guy that would kind of take a leap, and we just haven't even seen what he's capable of because he hasn't been out there. So it, I was crazy to say, but I do think that right now, you know, week one depth chart, it might be Drew Ogletree starting, you know, or Colin Granton over Jelani Woods. Is his conditioning and shape, and, and you can make uh, the obvious thought that, well, he's got a hamstring injury, so why wouldn't it? But has his conditioning and being in shape been a question throughout this offseason, too? Jelani Woods, no. It, it hasn't been a question or an issue at all. He actually lost weight, I believe, to get leaner so he can get out of, and out of breaks and stuff quicker. I think it's just bad luck, honestly. And what's weird about it is, you know, a lot of these guys had hamstring issues, you know, that kind of flared up. You know, Will Mallory, I believe, was out for a while with a hamstring. Julius Brents had a hamstring. Darius Rush had a hamstring. Julian Blackman had a hamstring. So a lot of these guys are pulling their hamstrings, or worse, and missing a bunch of time. So you just hope that, you know, you take your time to come back from it because hamstrings are tricky. Like, you know, however long it takes, make sure you take as long as it takes so you can get back out there and at full strength. So, James Boyd of The Athletic with us, how deep of a dive do you expect them to do as far as backup offensive linemen are concerned, especially with the Danny Pinter ankle injury done for the season news over the weekend? Yeah, I expect some definitely to see some moves made, you know, that Wednesday this week, or, you know, where you can kind of – get your first waiver request in and pick some guys up. I think that's, that's crucial for them. It was already an issue before Danny Pinter, Danny Pinter went down, and now it's been, you know, sort of uh, expanded in, in a sense. So I do think that that's got to be a priority. And I will venture as far as to say this is something that could bite them in the butt because everyone has said for so long, whether it's media, fans, whoever else, you have to address the offensive line. The offensive line needs more depth, and I get it. Hard to get depth in the NFL at the offensive line spot. I get that. But to not really address it and only hire a different coach um, and expect things to just be better, I don't know about that approach. So you better be right. Like, you better come through this season and hope that guys can stay healthy and the guys that you do have will step up. Otherwise, everyone's going to point the finger at you and tell you, I told you so. James, it's funny. This predates you being here. But, yeah, the first the first moment six-plus years ago Chris got here, he said you can't be about, you know, one guy on the team, meaning you can't be about the quarterback, meaning Andrew Luck. And that's at the time when he thought he's going to have Andrew Luck for the long-term future. So you feel, you feel more secure in, in making that particular statement at that moment. And then it's always been about depth. And the blueprint has been about depth from working inside out and depth on the offensive line and man, so many of these things, so many of these thoughts, uh, desires, so many of these uh, blueprints of how you wanted to build a team have gone completely opposite for Chris Ballard. And this offensive line, especially with the depth, is right at the top of the list. 
Absolutely. I think that that's one of those things where you can't keep getting a pass for it. You know, you have had some strange experiences, some strange circumstances throughout your career, but at this, or without your tenure, rather, here in Indianapolis, if you're Chris Ballard. But again, at some point, you have to look at the results, and it's a results based business. Now, you have to think how many GMs would have survived all these changes, anyways. You know, a new head coach and what was it, three coaching searches and you know, drafting a rookie quarterback in the first round and, you know, all those things. At some point, you have to look at what is being put on the field and what results you're getting and judge him off of that. Well, I mean, it, it's funny. You can compare that. And then think about a guy like John Lynch. And people are saying, wow, look at all he gave up for Trey Lance. And now you end up trading him. Didn't work out. You get a fourth rounder from Dallas in return. But they've had a high level of success. And, you know, I, I think to me, what what Ballard had envisioned six plus years ago here is the product that San Fran has had on the field. Maybe not so much, you know, from a skill position player standpoint, but certainly with defense, with offensive line, with, you know, the, the, the quarterback steady type of play. That's what Ballard has envisioned. And John Lynch gets to survive. And again, most guys would not survive. Just like Ballard, most guys would not have survived going into year seven with the lack of results. Without the results, John Lynch making that type of deal for and then giving up on Trey Lance would not survive either. Oh, not at all. I mean, his biggest saving grace is Brock Purdy and the fact that they're winning. And again, winning solves everything. I know people are killing them. Oh my gosh, you gave up so much for Trey Lance and you know, you went all in on this guy and gave up all these picks and it didn't work out. But the reason why they haven't been fired and the reason why I don't think it's that big of a deal really is because they're winning. During the season, they win. I mean, the 49ers the last few years in and out, they're always in contention, and so that matters. And I think the difference, obviously, between them and the Colts is the Colts have not contended for much of anything, you know, throughout the years, or at least recently, you know, since the Peyton Manning years. So I think that that's the biggest thing that is saving their job. And quite honestly, if they say that, I mean, they can't say that. If they come out and say, hey, we win, we win, though, that's a difference. They made it to the NFC Championship game last year, so you got to give them a pass. So James Boyd of The Athletic with us. So – this is going to be one of those years where you look at uh, Odebo, you look at Quiddy Pay, as mm-hmm. you, you, now it's time to become what they thought you could be when they drafted you. This is this season, correct, for both? Absolutely. I think that it's a huge year for both. I mean, Quiddy was on his way to having a really good season last year, then he got his ankle messed up, similar to Jonathan Taylor, actually, where he missed, I believe, five or six games. And, and so – you want him to stay healthy and, and dominate. And I think he can be a very impactful edge rusher, same with Dio, but this is the year. I think this is the year for a lot of players looking at this roster and the reason why, you know, we've kind of harped on JT and his contract extension, but beyond that, they haven't extended anybody. They haven't given any money to anybody. I think this is a big evaluation year for everyone involved because they want to see what Anthony Richardson does before they invest in other things and kind of figure out, what their next steps are. So I think it's a huge year for, you know, the edge rusher, the huge year for Shaq Leonard, who's coming back from injury. You know, he's owed a lot of money on the second half of his contract. He could be released next year and, and that could save them a ton of money. So again, this is a, this is a do or die year, I think for so many players. They have uh, any level of concern at all from again, Quentin Nelson with that group, but Quentin Nelson too, coming off a not good season whatsoever. And then the back-to-back penalties, I know it was the preseason, but it was magnified because we were all sitting there watching it in the preseason. They had their starters out there. Uh, are there any concerns there 
as far as their left guard is concerned, somebody else in a non-essential NFL position that earns a huge check? No, I don't think it is. I think that obviously, like you said, it caught everyone's attention because it's like, man, you took away this great run from Anthony Richardson and you're messing up already. But I think that he's going to have, if anybody on that offensive line, at least in my opinion, is going to have a bounce back here, it's him because of his age and also the way he's played throughout his career. Now, I don't know what was going on with Quentin last year. Like, in particular, the reason why he didn't play up to par. But, I mean, again, given his age, his trajectory, which is a Hall of Fame trajectory, by the way, uh, if he keeps it up, I think that he's the most likely to bounce back. James Boyd of the Athletics on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. What type of run-pass ratio might we see? Let's just say, for example in the first month of the season for Anthony Richardson under center or or not under center for the Colts at quarterback. What's that ratio, in your opinion, going to look like? Man, it's probably at least 60% run, I would think, 40% pass. I think that a lot of this stuff is going to be read options, zone reads, RPOs, those types of things, play action, to, to give him that option if he needs to to use his legs. Now, um, he's has to learn how to slide and make sure he uses, you know, the sliding ability. I know we haven't seen it so far. Um, I'm sure they're teaching him all of those things because at some point you got to use it as a quarterback. He's on the shoulder right now, which is fun and exciting, but we saw that with Andrew Luck as well. So keep him protected by all, you know, means. But, again, you have to be able to run it, I think, with him and sort of do what Jalen Hurts did during his first year as a full-time starter in Philly where – they just kind of had him be a game manager rather than someone they relied on as like the focal point passer, you know, in their offense. I said this on Friday um, that it, it needs to be all hands on deck in terms of, of helping the quarterback out. And like Kylan Granson, for example, was a, a great one that went up and caught a pass on Thursday night, you know, outside of where his catch window radius was going to be, went up and got it. Uh, far too many times with Alec Pierce, we have seen him not do that. And here's the other thing that stands out to me, and I don't know if you did as well, but watching the wide receivers here, we've talked about over the years, even prior to you getting here, this group cannot get any space, create any space whatsoever. And that still seems to be the case with them. How concerning is that? It is concerning. I would say that Alec Pierce had a rough preseason showing in the games because what's weird about it is during the joint practices, during the training camp days, he looked pretty good. But obviously what matters is the game and going up with different you know, opponents in live action. And it just felt like, those 50-50 balls, he never came down with one of them. And I believe, if my stats are correct, he might have been targeted five or six times in preseason and then didn't have a catch for any of them. And on that last game, he was targeted three times and didn't have a catch at all. Dropped the one, obviously, in Buffalo. So I think that he's had a rough preseason, and he has to bounce back. you know. And also, everyone's talking about his expanded route tree, and I've seen it during training camp, but does it translate? Because if you're not going to catch the 50-50 balls on the outside, the deep balls, why they drafted you, I mean, what good is the other stuff you're trying to add if you can't do the one thing that you actually were supposed to be good at from the jump? So that's definitely concerning. And then the wide receiver room overall, it's not a great one. I think Josh Downs gives him a little bit of flavor, different type of feel. He can get open, but even he had a drop. You know, I get it. He's a rookie. But at the same time, your job is to catch the receiver. And they didn't really help him too much. Uh, That is Anthony Richardson. Um, during the game against Philly where some of those throws and some of those uh, you know, plays could have been made by wide receivers. They just didn't make them. And sometimes that was, that's what the NFL is sometimes. It's my, I'm better than your guy. My dude is better than your dude. Uh, does, does Josh Downs, does that mean Isaiah McKenzie 
doesn't make this team, or is he going to be solid here right now? I'll give you a great example. Michael Pittman Jr., Alec Pierce, Josh Downs, um, Isaiah McKenzie. We've we've seen them jettison both Washington and Perriman. What does that mean, for example, for a guy like Mike Strawn? I haven't seen his name as of yet. And I haven't seen Jawan Winfrey as of yet. I don't know if you have either, who also made a little bit of noise at that position in the preseason. Where are they as far as positioning to try to make this team? Anywhere near? Right. I think that Isaiah and obviously Josh and all those guys are safe. The, the, the four that are safe are Alec Pierce, Pittman, Downs, and McKenzie. But I do think, like you said, that, that there are other players out there that might need consideration. And I think that one of them could be Jawan Winfrey. He's, a, he's one that I've actually talked to about life on the edge of the NFL and kind of that waiting game and doing everything you can to succeed. And he had a pretty good showing in the preseason where it makes you wonder, okay, with some of these guys be reportedly being let go, the James Washington and, and others, could he be a guy that supplants Mike Strong? Because to me, Mike Strong is, is in a kind of a bad spot where he had a another pretty good, you know, preseason and training camp. But, I mean, he's done it every year. He, it has never translated. So would that make the Colts think, okay, we know this guy at some point really has never clicked. Will we roll out with somebody else instead and kind of see, you know, if we can get something out of those guys before we get something out of him? So that's really my biggest thing is just I understand that, you know, you, you want to go with guys you know, but Strawn, and then on top of that, he pulled his groin during the, the, during the preseason. So he's out, he's been injured, and then you know that usually after, you know, when September starts, he's no longer that guy you saw in the preseason. Hey, James, do they like Arlington Hambright or do they like him out of necessity right now? I think it's more so the latter, out of necessity. What I do give him credit, though, we talked a lot about, you know, that offensive line, the depth that they didn't have. And I do think that when he was called upon um, during the joint practices in a few games, uh, James just disappeared. James, our producer, needs to check that line and try it again. <laughs> Arlington Hambright, huh? Is he back on? He just stinking disappeared. They are in a spot. Seems like we're always in this spot, but they're in a spot in terms of depth on the offensive line. And you get to know others a little bit more uh, just out of necessity. Somebody makes a team out of necessity over anything else. You guys are asking about Mo Alley Cox. I'll bring that up in just a second. Uh, We'll get back to the tail end of one of the backup possibilities here that looks pretty strong from a making the team standpoint in Arlington Hambride as James Boyd from the Athletic rejoins on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Finish off that thought on Hambride, if you would. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, got to pay my phone bill. But I do think that he has to um, be considered to make this 53-man roster and be sort of a dark horse candidate because I thought that he held his own and proved uh, that he could, when called upon, be at least a spot type of relief guy on the offensive line. Yeah, it just kind of seems like that he's thrust into this situation because I didn't ask you about Mo Ali cox um, Does – you think the situation with the hamstring to Jelani Woods has a profound effect on Mo Ali Cox when maybe he wouldn't make this team, but now he probably does? It definitely would have an effect on him if, you know, Jelani had to start the year on pup and missed the first four games. But 
I feel like Molly Cox is just that one where I was too scared in my projections to say that he wouldn't make the team. I just feel like uh, he's always kind of been there, but I hear all the fans telling me and other, you know, uh, analysts where they, they've kind of weighed in like, Hey, if you're going to go young, why not just go with Will Mallory? Because you already know what you have in Molly Cox. But um, I do think that his spot is way less secure than in years past, because last year at this time, we weren't even thinking about Molly Cox being cut. But this year, I think it's a real possibility. All right, James, final thing too. There's so much, I know, negative goes into a lot of what the Colts going on around them, you know, season, predicted wins and such. But somebody brought up a question a little bit earlier. And this is a season in which I talked about, you know, both Quiddy Pay and and Dial Adengpo with you, you know, finally making something, you know, turning into transitioning into something the Colts thought when they drafted them. Uh, And that would be important considering the secondary. Might we look at this secondary to start the season as the NFL's worst. Is that fair? I think that is definitely a conversation that needs to be had. And it's because they're super inexperienced. I know all these guys are confident. All these guys have stories. All these guys have fought to get there, especially this room, because a lot of these guys are undrafted um, or rookies. But, I mean, if I'm being honest, I wouldn't expect them to be really good because they haven't played. I mean, there's going to be some growing pains for sure. And that's the term that Gus Bradley continues to use. So I think that he knows and everyone knows it's going to be rough and they're going to be tested a lot by defenses because they just haven't seen a lot. All right. Uh, following the phone, when, when do you think something might drop? Any minute to at no, some point I think, tomorrow? I think it, no, from what I learned covering like the trade deadline in the NBA NFL, everything usually goes down to like the wire. So I would tell everybody to kind of relax today because I do think that you know, it, the NFL and all these people are like procrastinators. They're like people in high school when you got to turn in a final or something, turn in a final paper. You never write it or never do it until you have to do it at the last second. And that's why I think if something does happen, it'll be tomorrow closer to 4 p.m. All right. I'm, I'm guessing by what you said a little bit earlier, if you were going to have an outcome prediction, is it PUP for the first four weeks for Jonathan Taylor in a Colts uniform or outside of a Colts uniform but still on the, the roster? Oh, man, that's a good question. I'm going to say yes. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. Because I, I just, I mean, like, I don't see how. Hey, you, like, you, you can make a prediction here and just blame this crap on me. Just say, no, you can blame it. You can blame that on me. Defense. Yeah. It's just that I don't see the benefit of not being healthy at all or not being able to prove that you're healthy at all. Unless you just wanted to hold out without getting fined. But, I mean, uh, my guess is that he's legitimately hurt and we'll find out again tomorrow how hurt he is. Um, and if he has to miss those first four games. I just, as far as if he really legitimately is hurt and then trying to, you know, get an extension done while you're hurt, still under contract for a final year, I wouldn't think that he or they would want that particular look, James. No, not at all. But I think that he would would want a lot of money. It's like anybody. You want the money until you got to prove, like, how, you know, if you can do the job, right? So... I think that that's probably the lane that he's in. But, again, a lot of it is so weird to even talk about because we just haven't heard from JT himself. And I think that, you know, whether he's talking here in a Colts uniform or somewhere else, it'll be great to finally hear from him at some point to get to the bottom of all of this because we haven't talked to this guy in months. Yeah, it's uh, James Boyd. Hopefully you get that opportunity relatively soon. The Athletic, he's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. All right, man, we'll talk to you again soon. We'll see you in studio at some point. Are you in here this week? I'm there tomorrow. Oh, hell, I'll see you tomorrow then.
Yeah, I'm fingers crossed that if something happens, it doesn't happen during the show. But if it does happen, <laughs> I have both versions written, JMV. Oh, you do? I'm ready. That's going above yeah. and beyond right there. <laughs> That's above and beyond. That's you good gotta work. Be prepared, man. <laughs> All right, I'll see you tomorrow, James. Appreciate you. All right, have a good one. It's a James Boyd. With the Athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. Speaking of the Athletic, Zach Kiefer and Robert Mays have a new show starting. A little NFL show. We'll talk about that with Zach coming up here at the top of the L. The rest of the NFL. Yeah, I got this from somebody a little bit earlier. So, all we're going to hear every morning on ESPN is the New York Jets. Yes. Consider this. That's all you heard anyway. And they were crap. If they're any good whatsoever... And especially now that they have one of the more polarizing figures in the NFL, uh, that's that's doubling down stuff right there. Yes, constantly, constantly. That's why if you want Colts news, you keep it here. If you want to talk Colts, you'll keep it here. Even if you say you're completely worn out on it, which I am. At the same time, you want to be one of the first in the know. Keep it here. Zach Key for top of the hour. 239-1070 number if you want to jump on board inside the lounge via YouTube Live and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. One, is this or is this not the XFL? Yes, it is. Two, do I or do I not currently have a pulse? Yes, I do. Let's play football. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, James, have you put together our fantasy league yet? we got two put, of them. About to say, it is put together. I just need to know uh, who we want to put in there right. and how you want to go about doing that. How do you want to go about selecting those that will be involved in our 2023 winner-take-all Bar restock for both. We've got a fantasy league, and then we have a pick 'em. Mm-hmm. And the the picks can pick 'em at this point. I can just send you the link, and okay. you can tweet it out, and anybody can join. Uh, we'll we'll start the pigskin pick 'em. You send me that. We'll start that later on today. Sounds good. But how do you want to select those involved for the fantasy league? And again, we we offer what nobody else can, and that we got a bar restock for you. Now, I'd love for you to pick it up. Because I know people love around here the fact you, that you don't pick it up, and they just kind of walk by and grab and go. But I want you to pick it up. So how do we do it? We could do it kind of like how we do how we pick the P, the contestants for the race of the day, where it's just anybody that retweets something, and then we kind of randomly choose f- from who retweets. Yeah. Uh, we could have people call in, kind of do like a call in number nine type thing if you want to do that. Do you, do you remember how you did it last year? Do you remember how you picked no, last year? No, I think uh, randomly. Kind of like what you were explaining. I think okay. we went randomly, yeah. Okay. Yeah, either one works for me. I'm down for whatever. All right, so bar restock. We'll have our draft next week. You want to do that next uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, one of the two? Yeah, let's do that then. Because uh, that first game is Wednesday. Yeah, I saw this a little bit earlier, too. By the way, if you want to get involved, you can let me know. We will select randomly once again for that uh, bar restock, courtesy of Heaven Hill Distillery.
And then I will send out the information you need to be a part of our pigskin pick'em, which will also be for winner-take-all bar restock. I did see this earlier. Josina Anderson tweeted, I'm told at this hour at least two teams are still actively working to construct a trade for Jonathan Taylor, respectively making substantial offers. I'm usually willing to give Taylor a market contract. That, according to Josina Anderson, if you buy it. It's from John Buzzer, JMV. The Colts definitely used the Costanza technique. Last year, at this time, Frank Reich was telling us to draft Hines for your fantasy team. And he did. They either purposely do the opposite or can't stick to any one sense of direction. Probably the latter. That is a lot of truth surrounding that. And that is pretty funny. But there's a lot of truth surrounding that. Yeah, JMV, I heard you ask the question to James Boyd about just how bad the secondary is going to be this year. I do believe that uh, it has the chance to be the worst in the NFL. That was a good question to ask. Yeah, thank you, Rick. And because it is completely unknown, you know zero about it. That's the reason why. I I guess you should until you at least see it, give it the benefit of the doubt. But it could be incredibly rough in that week one uh, against Trevor Lawrence. Very inexperienced group. Now, everybody at JMV 1070 is wanting in on the Fantasy League. Daryl's at 239-1070. Daryl, great call on Saturday night, by the way. Hey, you do a great job every Saturday night. John. That's fun. This Saturday is going to be this Saturday is going to be one for the ages, doing it on the road for the first time. I hope I get a couple of Ubers out there so I can see you. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got to figure out who is who's at uh, Ruoff on Saturday. Um. Saturday, following Saturday is uh, Pearl Jam, right? Pearl Jam. Yeah, Pearl, Pearl Jam. Jam's a week from Saturday. Yeah, Pearl Jam's a week from Saturday, and who the heck is this weekend? Uh, I'm not quite sure who's. It's somebody, I think they're sold out on. Saturday. Yep. Hold on, hold on one second, Daryl James, jump in. Uh, on September second, which I believe is Saturday, it's Disturbed, Breaking Benjamin, oh, and yeah. Ginger. Yeah. Yeah, that there it is. is. So you'll have you'll have a lot of dudes, a lot of dudes in your ride for that one. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for, John. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of dudes going to Ruoff for that show right there. What do you got, Daryl? Hey, what do you think's going to have to happen? If do you think if they go if they're zero and five the first five games, do you think they're going to pour Paul Richardson and put in Gardner Minshew, or do you think they're going to ride him the whole season? I think they're going to ride him the entire season, Daryl. Uh, to me, uh, the only two things happen, and both are bad, if he's not a starter. And that's yeah, a level of ineffectiveness to where you can't get around it, and that would be pretty awful, or injury, which would be pretty awful. So I think yeah. either one would be the worst-case scenario. Uh, so, yes, he's he's going to be ridden the entire year. And if they can't find somebody off waiver, as far as an offensive lineman goes, do you think they might – trade Jonathan Taylor for an offensive lineman? Yeah, I just don't I don't see it. Like I 
as much as I, I know that it seems like the two sides, at least the one side, Jonathan Taylor wants to be traded, it does kind of seem like that we find out tomorrow that he starts on the PUP. So we'll see. I just—I don't think it's going to be an active player. I think it's going to be draft selections. And I know James had mentioned, I think he said a third and a uh, second, a second and a third, or maybe it was a second and a fourth. I look more like a three and a five. I just don't think they're going to get anywhere near what is that blown up target that we heard as far as a, a first rounder is concerned. I, I think I think they will be lucky. I mean, lucky if they were to able to uh, wiggle free a three if they end up trading him. Yeah, there's no way they're getting a first round draft. None, zero. Also, would love to be in your fantasy league. Daryl, you're a you're a man here. We're gonna we're gonna write Daryl's name down and see what happens here. You're always in the running, brother. You know that. I appreciate it, man. You got it. Daryl's great. Calls on Saturday night. Always going to Ruoff to a concert, and and normally, you know, it's been like a country concert. I think it was Nickelback. Always like has just a bunch of. Ladies that are going out together, taking an Uber. Always great with the calls. Hey, guys inside the lounge, I, th- I think you can find what you're looking for at Sport Track. If that makes sense to you. I think you can find that right there. Hey, JMV, dorks that don't pick up their prizes are not allowed in the Fantasy League. It's been a year. That's incredible. Yeah, let's face it. If Anthony Richardson doesn't start, there's nothing but bad can come out of that. The situation's bad. Can you guys think of any reason that would be positive? So if he doesn't start a game, that means he's injured. Well, that means he is at a level of ineffectiveness to which you feel compelled to be competitive. That you have to sit him? Neither one of those. Those are both catastrophic. You don't want them. The entirety of the year, no matter what type of numbers. Like Tony Katz asked me this morning, hey, Gardner Minshew's numbers or blah, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. And they were good preseason numbers, but all that does not matter. This is what matters. So either way, either way, that's a disaster. All right, quick one, we'll come back. Top of the hour, Zach Kiefer. Zach Kiefer and Robert Mays of The Athletic. They're going to have an NFL show. We'll talk about that with Zach. Go around the NFL and a lot more. Zach Kiefer coming up at the top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live. Send me another question, fellas. I will answer that, too. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live. You can watch and you can listen. I'm going to hold it up right here. I think I can hold that up, right? Can you see that over there? Watch, listen, and participate. Pretty fun group in there, too. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Smokey, this is not NOM. This is bowling. There are rules. Hey. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, JMV, I know you're a big Indiana State guy. Did you see that they... Have a non-conference game against St. Mary of the Woods on November the 6th. 
What did I have? Uh, St. Mary of the Woods? I, I went... Um, Ah, what uh, what is it? Is it A.O. Pie over there? A.O. Pie Red Rose Formal. I went to that. It was like the worst time of all time. It was the worst time of all time, with the exception the bar was open. And that part was cool. But the best part about it was the the girls who were all friends would get together and then tell each other how gorgeous they were and how great they looked in this dress and blah 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 and then when they separated it was nothing but backstabbing going on it was beautiful any of you dudes went to Indiana State ever go to the Red Rose formal it was completely dreadful time <laughs> I would never do it again but it was pretty funny the Red Rose, St. Mary of the Woods College is where that was. Certainly a lot different than it is right now. Hey, JMV, I agree with you regarding the secondary. You need to give them the benefit of the doubt, but, yeah, the expectation is this group is probably going to struggle a great deal over the course of the season, and that's where you have to start. It's from Derek White. JMV, are you going to Frankfurt? I have not heard, and not not Frankfurt, not as up in Clinton County, but uh, Frankfurt, Germany. What is that, the second week of November where they play the Patriots there? Um, I have not heard, and normally by now I would have heard. I'm not, like, I'm not the biggest fan of, like, loading up. It, it was, I was kind of forced to go to London. Now, I'm glad they did because I had an excellent time. I just don't know how down I am with uh, Frankfurt, Germany in the second week of, of November. Maybe I should be for the experience alone. But I have not heard yet. So I, I would guess probably not. I don't know how that's going either. I don't know how many of you. I don't know if it's a wait and see thing, if it's going to be last minute for you. Or if you're just going anyway. But that also does loom. Yeah, over-delivered on drama certainly is it. Hey, JMV, I was watching the Reds game yesterday with you, too. I could not believe it, but then again, I could. Uh, they got, I call them Lucas Farmer Giblet. Now, two of the three pitched, but they, I, I blank you not on this, walked the bases loaded in the bottom of the eighth inning, tied it two. Walked the bases loaded. A Little League World Series won by California in walk-off style as a 12-year-old, everybody. How would you like that? Maybe the kid's 13, whatever. He looked like he's about 35. But we all went. We all went. We all played Little League with somebody that looked like that they were 35. <laughs> he just happened to walk it off in Williamsport for the Little League World Series against Curacao. You know, basically, the dudes that look 35 that played in the Eastern Little League would uh, c- come at you uh, with a fastball up around your head. <laughs> back when we had, back when none of the helmets fit. See, you guys have no growing up right now. You have no idea, no idea what we went through. Us older folks went through in terms of Little League in sharing helmets, never having helmets that are the right size, that wobble around, slide around on your head, having to use the same bat. 
have no idea. Quick break. We'll come back. Zach Kiefer's got a new NFL show with The Athletic along with Robert Mays. We'll talk about the landscape of the NFL as we get ready to start the season. And, of course, the Colts coming up on the other side next. Don't go away. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. If peeing your pants is cool, consider me Miles Davis. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. James Boyd, a little bit earlier, podcast 107.5thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Got a great group in there today. Thank you, guys. Backyard Bourbon Broadcast at Mystic Waters on Friday. That's a show. And then DJ Skids afterwards. And then we're going to stay up the weekend at Mystic Waters Campground. That's at I-69 and the Pendleton Exit and the JMV Takeover, the first ever on the road. Now, that is coming up on Saturday night. I don't want you to miss that. Larry writes this, so I caught in Little League, and there were a couple of different cups in the equipment bag. We just grabbed one and went with it. Sounds disgusting now, but those were the days. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. We didn't have the invention yet. The greatest invention of all time in terms of baseball, what do you guys think that is? Greatest invention of all time. Oh, you guys think it's that that square, that rectangle strike zone that you can be critical of, pitch after pitch, game after game. The technology of keeping stats. But the greatest invention of all time in baseball is when somebody got the smarts real good and put that little that little pouch pocket right there in front of your jock. Right there. And it wasn't, to me, it wasn't even for, like, I caught, so it was all the time. And I never really understood why you would go out in the field unprotected. So that invention, that was the greatest invention ever. The jock strap with the pouch or pocket right there in front. You could just slide the cup right down in there, and you wouldn't think anything about it. Wouldn't hamper your running style, wouldn't make you slower. Greatest ever. Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. This is going to be a new NFL show with the Athletic, along with Robert Mays. Our friend of the show, Zach Kiefer, joins us now. When does that thing fire up? Man, I was going to go with the aluminum bat, John, before we, oh, uh, no. before we move on away from youth baseball. That no, was, the, uh, the pocket pouch on the jockstrap, the most important you know, invention no. of all time in baseball. I ain't, I ain't arguing with you on that one, for sure. Um First Monday of the season, yeah. So, so Robert hosts the athletic football yep. show. His will go up Sunday night, and then I'm going to do the next day. So I'm going to do every Monday. It's going to be posted on Tuesday mornings. I'm really excited. I know some fans are probably glad they haven't had to hear me on podcast the last couple of weeks, the last couple of months since I changed jobs. But it's going to be fun. I'm going to be able to keep my tap on the league, see what's going on. And, and the best part is going to be we're going to hear from our beat writers who know the teams as well as anybody 
and, and you're doubling up today. You got two athletic writers yeah. on the show. My buddy James Boyd, an hour ago. Uh, I imagine you grilled him on Jonathan Taylor's situation. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to talk to you about that as well because obviously you've covered this Colts team for a long period of time. And frankly, Zach, I think we're all a little bit tired of having to go through this. But do you have a, a prevailing theory about what's actually going on here with Jonathan Taylor and this situation as it stands? Yeah, I'm certainly not checking on this every day like I would have been if I was on the beat, but I feel you, man. The fatigue is real, and I feel it from the fan base, and I feel it from my guys in the media room having to cover this for the better part of four weeks, right? Like, this is exhausting. Um, it, It feels like this is fractured, right? It feels like there's no way back, and maybe I'm wrong on this. This is just my thoughts, but just trade him, man. Like, just trade him. Like, I don't think it's going to get better next year. If you can't get a long-term deal done, if he wants the moon and you're not going to give it to him, then you go down the franchise tag, right? And that just makes things even more, even more like animosity is going to be in those discussions. It just feels like, one, this isn't a team that's ready to win now, whether JT's on the field or not. They're not going to win this year. So you need to think about five years down the line. If you can pick up assets that are going to help you build around Anthony Richardson, that's probably the play. And, and the other thing I want to say is this, and this has been pointed out before, like it's not like the Colts don't want to pay Jonathan Taylor. That's sort of this national storyline that's pre- prevailing out there. It's like they're going to trade him because they don't want to pay him. No, man, like that's not what's happening. They just don't want to pay him right now. And I think that's the team's prerogative. One, he's got this mysterious ankle injury that, look, I was told in March he was working out. Like March. And then late July, he reports and he's not ready. And maybe there's a setback, but that's just weird to me. And, and if he's requesting a trade, that means he's ready to pass a physical, right? Like, that means he's ready to play. And if he's ready to play, why isn't he practicing right now for the team that he's under contract for? So it just feels like there's a lot of weirdness coming from the JT camp, like you and I have talked about, that just wasn't there four or five months ago. I don't really see an easy road back for this team this season with this player. Um, and, and you're not in a you know, situation where you're going to win the AFC South this year. I just don't see that for this team. I'd be happy to be wrong on that. But this is a team that stopped convincing itself that it's close. You're not close. You need to be thinking about long term. And if you're going to be picking in the top five in the draft in the spring, boy, it'd be nice to have a, another second rounder or another third rounder as well to build up this roster for the future. I say just trade him and move on. This just doesn't feel like there's a path forward with him on the roster. It's uh, Zach Key for the Athletic New Football Show Weekly with Robert Mays. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. Zach's kind enough to join us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So there are you know, many theories and thoughts on what is actually going on. Uh, one is that he was injured because the Colts floated out, you know, through both Stephen Holder and Mike Chappell about a month or so ago. You know, hey, you know, we could put him on the non-football related injury list, and then everybody got to think maybe he did something non-football related to injure himself in the offseason, whatever. It's not actually the ankle. Um, I don't tend to be in that category because of what you just explained. I tend to be in the category of, you know, you're doing this so you don't get fined. You're doing this so you don't lose money. You're doing this so you can still get paid, and you don't want to step foot on the field for a team that's not going to pay you right now, and that's where he stands. Which side of thinking would you be on with either one of these theories? Yeah, I'm with the latter. I'm with you. I think it's pretty clear what he's doing. He, He doesn't want to play for this team until he gets his money. 
I think that's pretty obvious. And the strange part is, you know, late April, these are his exact words. I put pen to paper. I made an obligation to this organization. And I understand the situation being he saw Braden Smith get paid. He saw Shaq Leonard get paid. He saw all these guys. Naheem Hines, his number two, got a nice deal, three for 21. He saw Naheem Hines get paid. He wants his. And every player deserves his. And JT's a tremendous player. And the fact that Jim Irsay told him, we're not ready to give you that right now. I think the team wanted to see this ankle back. They wanted to see him with Anthony Richardson in the backfield. And they wanted to see him in Shane Steichen's system. And I think that's fair on the team's part. It's absolutely allowed. It's absolutely the team's prerogative to do what they're doing. They have all the leverage right now. And I think JT was, one, surprised. And, two, I think he had his, his sights set a little high. I think he wanted a market-setting deal. And that's just not going to happen. I don't think he's quite the player Derrick Henry is. And I don't think he's quite the player Christian McCaffrey is. And I think that's probably hard for him to understand. But I think you go back to that bus meeting with Jim Irsay, and I think Irsay told him, and the message was, look, just because we're not paying you now doesn't mean we don't intend to take care of you. I think he absolutely was in their plans, and they wanted to pay him. They just wanted to see how this ankle recovered, and they wanted to see how he fit in the system. And that's the moment this all went haywire with the trade request and things just haven't seemed to get any better ever since. So, honestly, man, this is this is exhausting. I know it is for you. It's sad. It's sad that a player that fits so well with this city and that was such a great draft pick and was so instrumental in that team winning what they did in 2021, it's come to this. I mean, his mural is on the side of the stadium, and he could be out of the city in less than 24 hours. So, Zach, tomorrow's the deadline um, from what was reported regarding the Colts to get something done. What's the logical start to the season placement in, in your in your opinion for Jonathan Taylor? Is it someplace else, like in Miami, for example, in a trade? Is it you know coming back and magically being well again and, and being a part of this team? Well, maybe even the Colts massaging it, which clearly they're not going to do financially. Or is it going to be start the season on PUP and kind of play this out from which the holding pattern we've been a part of for the last couple of weeks? Yeah, from what I know about Chris Ballard, he's going to wait. Like, this dude is going to wait. He's going to be patient. And he's going to tell these teams, I'm not making a move until I feel comfortable with the compensation. That's going to be the interesting part. Who blinks first, right? Another team or the Colts. I would love to see the second option, frankly, because I think it'd be really fascinating, right? Let's say the Colts don't trade him, and the Colts are saying, you need to play. And he needs to play eight games to get, right, yeah. to reach free agency next year. And right. then there's always the franchise tag, which would just be a whole nother mess. Like, wh- what's he going to do? Are you going to hold firm to this trade stance? Like, that would be just a continual bad look for him, in my opinion, if he just doesn't play, goes back on his word, and is supposedly healthy. That's a mess. That's a mess for this team. you got to feel for Anthony Richardson a little bit. He was supposed to have this guy in the backfield. They were going to scare teams with that backfield. That's what Jim Irsay wanted, Chris Ballard. And you got to feel for Shane Steichen as well. I remember talking with Shane right after the draft thinking, this is going to be fun. Now, it's not going to be perfect, but this is going to be fun with 28 and with Anthony Richardson in that same backfield. And now all he's been doing is answering questions about Jonathan Taylor not being out there. So, um, send him to Miami, man. I think that's really fun in the AFC East. I think Miami needs a little bit more to get over that hump of Buffalo, possibly New England, obviously Rodgers in New York with the Jets. That's a really fun division. Throw JT in there, see what happens, and get some trade competition because this is just – I just don't see a way back for this team the way Jonathan Taylor's dug in.
And this uh, just from Ian Rappaport, the Eagles signed cornerback Isaiah Rogers, who was then placed on the reserve suspended list. He's out for at least a year, violations of the league's gambling policy. So we were kind of asking ourselves after the Colts cut him and after he was suspended by the NFL for a season uh, for the violations of the gambling policy, where the interest might be. And um, assuming here, somebody like Nick Sirianni knew him a little bit. And you go ahead and sign him and uh, I guess stash him away as he pays the price for that violation. So that's surprising to you that the Eagles made that jump on Isaiah Rogers or anybody did for that matter this early. No, I think the stigma, I think the stigma is going to fade a little bit. You look at what Jacksonville did. They signed Calvin Ridley way early during the suspension and he's crushing it. I was down there for camp a couple of weeks ago and Calvin Ridley was Calvin Ridley again. And that's going to help that offense. That's already really good with a quarterback. That yeah, was you could argue the Colts may maybe should have ventured into that territory. I mean, especially considering their wide receivers. Yeah, exactly. That that's just not something they've done, and it's you've not. talked about that for years. But you you tell me he wouldn't help this team right now. Yes. And then secondly, when it comes to Rodgers, like let's say this nothing never happened. Let's say the gambling stuff never happened. Where's he at on the cornerback depth chart right now? I think he's starting. Like this guy has a ton of upside. He's played good football for them. Like. He's got a ton of upside. So the Colts probably didn't have a choice. You probably have to release him. But this is a smart move by Philly. Everyone's going to forget about it in 15 minutes. And then next season, when he's eligible again, they're going to say, oh, we've got this young corner. He didn't cost us a thing. And he's got a chance to fight for a roster spot. Maybe, maybe another really shrewd move by Howie Roseman, who's who's won the Colts over before in certain moves, if you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Well... That is very true right there. Zach Kiefer joins us. So you think if, let's say, for example, hypothetically, Jonathan Taylor were to be traded and get an extension in an hour, do you think tomorrow he'd be ready to go for practice? Man, that's a bad look for him. But, no, it wouldn't surprise me. That's how this league works. Um, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on with this ankle that was supposed to be healed. EJ Speed had the same surgery, if I'm not mistaken, and he was on the field for the very start of training camp. I understand setbacks happen. I understand all of that. But if he's on the field within a couple of days of getting traded, that's just that's just a bad look, man. At least come out and be honest about what's going on. Um, I think the Colts have him on pup so they can avoid finding him and avoid making this worse. So that's a tough spot for the team. But, I mean, after everything you've seen over the last couple of years, would you be surprised? No, absolutely not. No, no, that's 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 been my call. I, I think that what we have seen, I, I, I think this is I think this is a uh, this is kind of uh, a hold in of sorts right here, and uh, it, it's yeah. dangerous territory being on the air and saying it that way. But given the path we have taken to get here over the years. I feel comfortable in saying it because all this wild-ass stuff that we've talked about in the past, no way this is true, all became true, and I think this will too. Yeah, and, and the, the strange thing is, is is everything he said in the offseason when we talked to him hinted at he would be here, contract or no contract extension, and he was going to be ready to go. And I've look, I've covered players that have said they're going to be ready to go, and they weren't ready to go. The city knows that as well as any city out there. However, it's just weird that the team was fully expecting him to be ready. The team, who's talked to the metal experts who have looked at his ankle, JT was training in March, in, in, in April, in Arizona, at Exos, in April. And I know that setbacks can happen, but it was absolutely the team's expectation he would be ready for training camp. And, and maybe something happened, but 
it's been six weeks, right? It's been four weeks. It's been three weeks, and, and he hasn't been on the field. I don't think he's on the field. I don't think he's not on the field because he can't be on the field. I think physically that's probably good to go. It's, it's the other stuff. It's the contract that's holding him back. The Colts have kind of tried to acquiesce and make this better. First saying they're not going to trade him, now saying he can go look for a deal. That's going to be a bad look for Jonathan Taylor. And, and I think it's going to have to swallow the fact that he's not going to get a top-end running back deal. He's going to get a good one. Let's be honest, he's a fantastic player. But we're talking a, a record-setting deal for running back. I don't even know what that looks like anymore. If Christian McCaffrey couldn't get a one for his trade, Taylor's not going to get a one and then get a contract on top of that that sets the market. I just feel like he's shooting for the moon and he's going to have to land somewhere beneath that. But if he's ready to go and if he plays for another team in the opener 13 days from now, that's just a really bad look and that's a sad end to what could have been a really good career here. He's got, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, eight games he needs to be a part of to become a free agent um, in 2024, which, by the way, is going to be a market saturated with running backs, of which most teams out there don't really have a great deal of interest in. So that should be interesting, too. Yeah, Jacobs, Saquon, both are playing on one-year deals right now, if I'm not mistaken, and then Taylor, if he hits the market. Now, remember... They're all tremendous players, but again, they're high end in terms of age at that position, and and teams are just very, very, very hesitant to pay running backs big second contracts. We'll see. They're tremendous players, but these guys might have to settle for two-year deals when they went four-year deals. Zach Kiefer, The Athletic, has a new NFL show along with Robert Mays of The Athletic. Weekly, you can catch it again, and Zach's via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, and I want to ask you about the Colts wide receivers. I brought this up a little bit earlier because um, Anthony Richardson, obviously, uh, it's all about his development here in this season. There's no question about that. But, you know, you look at the wide receivers and while I know everybody likes Michael Pittman Jr., they want to see him around. He's going to end up getting an extension at some point at the end of the year, uh, offseason, whatever. Um, Alec Pierce is still a guy that I think people like. You see, you still see a lot of the same stuff, though. And I'm talking yeah. in terms of they could not separate from you. And that's such a huge issue because you got a, a very inexperienced rookie quarterback with the strongest arm in the world, and he's going to try to force it into just an inch of window here. And that's, that's not, not good. It, why have these guys never been able to get the type of separation that is necessary, really regardless of whomever's taking them on at the moment? You know, they, they've never had a splash at that receiver position, not since Chris Ballard took over. Michael Pittman's a good player. I, I don't think he's a one. I don't think the Colts view him as a one. We'll see how contract negotiations go next year. But the one guy, I do think Josh Downs is going to help this year. I really think over the middle, that's going to help a young quarterback. It's easier to hit those over-the-middle throws than the sideline ones. But I think so much of this year for Richardson depends on Pierce. And I was talking to a scout a couple of weeks ago who's familiar with Pierce, and he said, I think Pierce could be Richardson's best friend. Because if you're a young, inexperienced, big-armed quarterback, what do you want? You want big, right? You want big catch radius. You want guys who can go up and get it in tight coverage. Now, that's what Pierce is supposed to be. I know he's had an up-and-down camp, but I really think that, you know, it really matters when the games start, right? Like, I'm not going to sweat the preseason. I really think Pierce is going to be central to where we evaluate Richardson at the end of the 17-game season because if he can have some big home run plays with Pierce 
that's going to open up more in the run game. If not, if they're just a, if they're just, if the teams are just preparing for Richardson's legs, that's going to really, really close down some running lanes for him. Yeah. He's going to be tremendous at certain points. I expect that. And he's also going to look at the other side of the spectrum a lot. Like, I think there's going to be some moments where you're like, whoa, I don't know about that. But I think Pierce, if he can get some sideline catches going, if he can get some deep balls, if they can get some explosives going, that's going to help Richardson immensely. He's got to hold on to the ball. He didn't do that in that first preseason game against Buffalo. He's got to do that, and he's got to be more of a threat. And I think this is a big year for Pierce. His success will translate into success for the young quarterback. Yeah, and and really, Alec Pierce hadn't looked good in the moments in which he's had that opportunity. And you're right, the the down the field touch pass is what Anthony Richardson can't do right now. It's just if it's not going to be Alec Pierce, then who the hell is it going to be? Uh, and so that's goes back to your original question, yeah. like why isn't there someone to do that? Why isn't there? It's just it's funny. So many people tell me that you can see right now Chris Ballard and his philosophy evolving. You know, changing to what is a modern NFL era way of consistently winning, and then then there are some aspects where it doesn't look like he's changing whatsoever. Yeah, I think it is changing. I've had this conversation with Chris a lot. Like he will admit, I'm stubborn. I'm stubborn as heck, man. And and we've seen that. You've talked about this, but I do think you learn the lessons and when they do their self scout in February and March and April, when they look at what they've done and what's not worked, I think, you know, Chris always says this, like you guys watch the same games we do. Like we can tell where this league is going. And I've had this conversation with Frank Reich as well. Like you look at the teams that win every year and like four of the five teams, you know, the four of the four in the conference finals this last year are top eight offenses. Like you have to be able to score. And Ursay talks about this a lot and they've got this almost like back 1990s mindset that, that they're just stuck on. And, and I think Shane Steichen represents a change in that, a change in that philosophy. But you go back, you know, an off-ball linebacker is one of your highest-paid players. A left guard is one of your highest-paid players. A running back was going to be one of your highest-paid players. And, and all of a sudden, that became a mess. So I think they're starting to learn that. It's not easy to make that transition. But I'll tell you who will help make that transition. He plays wide receiver for Ohio State right now. And if they're up there in the draft and they're not looking to take a quarterback because they like what they saw from Richardson this year, boy, Marvin Harrison Jr. would change that really fast. I was at his pro day watching C.J. Stroud in the spring, and it was obvious who the best player on the field was, and it was not C.J. Stroud. Marvin Harrison Jr. looks and runs and moves and catches like his dad, only he's four inches taller. So I know this is a pipe dream, and I know it's easy to put the pieces together because wherever his dad played, but – they need that. Don't you think that would just completely transform that wide yeah. room? And, and in unfortunately, it hasn't been since yeah. T.Y. Hilton's younger days. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think that would take a level of good fortune this team hasn't, this organization hasn't seen since like 2012. So, you know, right. I mean, even in the yeah. bad, I mean, to try to consider to be as fortunate as it would take to be able to do that. But I, I think it still stands the reason. Do you think Chris Ballard's philosophy on wide receivers? Has it evolved as much as as maybe it has in other aspects? And the other thing is, you know, an offensive line where it was always preached because you covered every single presser every day, depth, 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 inside out and depth. And they have really less than zero right now without injury to Pinter. Man, I thought it was bad last year. Like, I remember writing last year after they joined with the Lions, like, like, this is a problem. I, Matt Pryor, I remember being like, I don't know how I feel about him. 
at the position he's at. And everyone's kind of saying they'll be fine. Quentin and Ryan will lift them up. Well, how did that go? And, and like you said, like depth matters because every fan listening to your show right now has watched this team play the last couple of years, and they know what happens when one guy goes down, let alone these guys like playing poorly. Like Ryan Kelly has, has, has not played well for like a year and a half. So not only do you need those guys to stay healthy, you need them to play much better than they've played. So that's a question. And, and, and it's not – I mean, this is a pessimistic view, but it's not hard to see. It's not hard to envision. With this running back situation being what it is and the offensive line questions, especially the depth being zero, like you said, Anthony Richardson having to run for his life way more than you want from a rookie quarterback. Yeah, and the other aspect of it, too, um, and this is going to be the positive for the negative, uh, and the positive would be you would expect, and we'll see if we see it, um, you know, major movement from both Quiddy Pay and Dio Adengbo. And and that that would be necessary because we've gone over the years before, not since Robert Mathis has anybody consistently come off the edge and given that type of quarterback pressure that is necessary. And it was necessary in the days when you had a guy like Stephon Gilmore. It's even now more necessary considering you don't have that guy and the inexperience really in a secondary, Zach, if you want to look at it right now to start the season, it might be viewed as the worst or certainly among the group of the worst in the NFL. Yeah. I, I don't want to look at the secondary. Like I, it would scare me. Um, they, they made these, they made their bet. They're going to have to live with it. And maybe these guys will play up, but yeah, you're right. It's absolutely imperative that Quiddy takes a step forward. And the hurricane that they, they drafted in, in 2021 that they loved. I mean, they loved them in the second round. And I'm telling you right now, they loved them in the first round, but they couldn't take him there because of the injury. Like, where's the hurricane been? Like, you need, to, you need to see it. It's year three. There's no more excuses. You need to see it because that secondary is so young and so untested. But also, like, when you're a first-round pick, you need, to become, you need to become a consistent starter, borderline, like, best player in the team at that position. And, and they – I mean, you know, I've kind of blocked out last season at the end with the, with the defense just because it was such a terrible season to be involved in. But I think Quiddy took steps – but I just haven't seen that game-changing ability yet. I think every fan out there that's, that's listening has yet to see that, where you strike fear in the offensive line simply because this guy's on the field. The Mathis, the Freeney. I mean, Eric Walden had a couple moments where he took over games. I mean, they haven't had that in a long time. They need that. Even Justin Houston in Frank Reich's tenure had some really nice moments and some really nice games where he, that Chiefs game in 2019, essentially won the game at the end for them. They haven't had that with a defensive line. They need those two to step up. And if not, then what are you doing? You don't really have a really bright future at receiver. You don't have a really bright future at edge rusher. Your offensive line has question marks. I mean, those are three of the most important positions in the modern game right now behind quarterback, and you've got major questions. So that's something Jim Mercer is going to want to have answered. You're, you're right, man. I, I don't know how I feel about the receivers, but I'm certainly needing the, the pass rush to step up this season because these guys, this, this, it's put up or shut up time for those two. I'm assuming that you and Robert Mays will have this conversation. I'm going to catch your thoughts before I cut you loose with Zach Kiefer here on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, is that the the top quarterbacks drafted from Bryce Young to C.J. Stroud to Anthony Richardson are starting. Who would you believe to be the quarterback among that group of rookies under center that will have the best season? 
So I have an answer for you, but it has a caveat. Like, I, I think right. it's Bryce Young, and I think there's a pretty wide gap in their ability to be ready. I think he's the most ready, and I think he's the most savvy. But I don't love Carolina's offensive line. I just really don't. And I feel like he's going to be running for his life. And what's the other draft knock on him, right? He's small, man, and, like, he takes one of those hits. I'm not so sure he's going to pop right back up in the sense that I would expect C.J. Stroud to, and certainly Richardson because he's built like a truck. Um, I like Stroud's accuracy, but I don't feel like there's a lot around him in Houston to like. And Richardson, we've talked a lot about that. He's going to have some wow moments. They're going to be really fun. And he's going to have some head-scratching interceptions like he did in that first game against the Bills. But I think C.J. Stroud is the most pro-ready, and with McCown and with Frank Reich, and with Adam Thielen at receiver, he's got a lot to like on that offense. I just don't love when a rookie quarterback is playing behind an offensive line with some serious questions. They could win eight games and still win the division, though. So I think, see, I think, uh, excuse me, I think Bryce Young is the answer because he's the most pro-ready and he's the most savvy in the pocket. He can handle the chaos a little bit more than the others. But it could be Richardson, man. He could be the guy with some early hiccups. I mean, he could come into his own, and I think Steichen's scheme – could really play a part in that. That's going to be the fun part. It would have been a lot easier with 28 in the backfield, but I'm not I'm not ruling Richardson out because he's got so much potential. Yeah, you look around the NFL too. Among the crap water teams of a year ago, which one will make the the major stride and force itself into a postseason berth? Who do you got? Does Pittsburgh count? I kind of like Pittsburgh because I feel like they're 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 just they don't bottom out. They're just right there. And I what about like Denver? No, I'm not buying Denver. I'm just not buying Russell Wilson, man. Makes sense. You did. Uh, that was like one of the worst games we've ever seen on that Thursday night. Really, anybody's ever seen covered, on the Colts win. I have covered some awful games, and that I mean that might have been like you you that might have been the top. That might have been the worst football game I've ever. This worst sporting event I've ever covered in my life. Oh, terrible. Uh, you and Robert May start an NFL weekly show. Tell us about it. Yeah, easy to find. The Athletic Football Show feed. We've got shows every day. I'll be hosting the Monday show, which will go up Tuesday. It'll be a different look. We'll have the beat writers on from the games, and I'll ask them what they saw at the game, what they heard in the locker room, all the stuff behind the scenes that's, that's the most valuable, right? So it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll get our pulse on the league from, from those who know it the best, from those that are in the press box, in the locker rooms, on the field before the games. And, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm still going to be doing my long-form stories as well. I've got a lot coming out, including one that Colts fans are going to freaking love. Um, it's about one of the most underrated offensive coaches in NFL history. He was here for a long time, Tom Moore. Um, the man coached Lynn Swan and John Stallworth and Chris Carter and Barry Sanders. Peyton, Marvin, Edgerin, Tom Brady in Tampa, Larry Fitzgerald in Arizona. And I'm telling you, man, I have I had some stories told to me for this story that, I mean, me and Peyton were cracking up on the phone talking about Tom Moore. So one of my most favorite stories I've done in the last couple of years, it was just incredible to hear about this man's coaching journey and how he would coach these guys back when the Colts were winning a lot of games every single year. Uh, the, the quote, and this is not the exact quote, but in, in terms of you know having a developed, suitable backup, and I was always against it because I always thought in the Manning era here it didn't matter. With all due respect to Jim Sorge, uh, and it was Tom Moore that had the quote, right, that we don't practice yep. like FUBAR or something like that. What was the exact quote? Yeah, I can't I can't say it on your show because I get yeah. fined, but uh, we Bl- don't practice. Being blanked up or something uh, like that? Yeah. 
I, I finally got to ask Peyton about that, and, and he heard about the quote as well, and he, his response is in the story as well. Um, just just tremendous stuff. Like, if you love great football, this story is awesome because Tom Moore's been around a lot of it. And, you know, some people in the story said he's one of the more underrated play callers in NFL history. So the man's still coaching, and he's 84 years old. <laughs> he was very much known when he was here to have a glass or two of wine at the Boathouse Grill off of 56th Street, not too yes, far sir, away from the, back with, in the day. With a couple, couple of ice cubes in it. The yeah. only other guy I know that would do that, Mike Chappell, will have a couple of ice cubes <laughs> with his Coors Light. I saw – I did two shows – at the boathouse back in the day and uh both of those shows he sat literally uh three feet away from me at, at the bar and enjoyed a, a glass of wine and then left so yeah, yeah. sounds about right yeah, yeah. All one, of good. The, one of the great yep hey zach i appreciate you man we'll uh, check in throughout the course of the season thank you Sounds good. Thanks, John. It's uh, Zach Kiefer of The Athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. He and Robert Mays have a show starting with The Athletic. Yeah, Tom Moore, that's awesome stuff. Just sat right there. Right there during the show and probably thought, this guy is an idiot. Who is this guy? Idiot. Yeah, you guys are asking about Kareem Hunt. I'm, I'm sorry. I have zero interest. None. Anybody else with me on that? Or do you have interest? I have none. I know I saw a story or a rumor that suggested that he was still maybe top of mind for the Colts. Yeah, I'd I'd squash it. I wouldn't mess with that. I just don't. I don't think the stats that he's brought over the recent history really match. I know that you have a huge need here, but. Yeah, I wouldn't blank with that. You guys? Anybody else? Inside the lines via YouTube Live, you messing with Kareem Hunt? Yeah, I, I just don't have any interest. Anybody else? Quick break. We'll come back with you. James Boyd, Zach Kiefer, Podcast 107.5thefan.com. Quick break. We'll come back with you next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. We're not going to fall for a banana in the tailpipe. You're not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe? It should be more natural, brother. It should flow out like this. Look, man, I ain't falling for no banana in my tailpipe. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. James Boyd a little bit earlier. Zach Kiefer. Just moments ago. Podcast, if you missed any of it, regarding the Colts, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, the cut down day. The Eagles signing Isaiah Rogers. Even though he's suspended for the entirety of the 2023 season. Missed any of it. Podcast 1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Thank you all for joining us. JMV at 1075thefan.com. JMV, besides obviously the Colts and the Jaguars, because of local interest, what is the most exciting week one matchup on this schedule? I'm glad that you asked that. I would probably say this for me, and I'm hesitant 
to go to Monday night because it involves the Jets and uh, ESPN, especially Greenberg, will sports arousal all over that and ruin it for everybody. And, you know, you get, I know you get the Packers and, and the start of the Jordan Love experience. We got, I'm sure, a sprinkling of Bears fans around here. Eagles and Foxborough. Got a battle of, are we for real this year? We had Dolphins, Chargers, but it may be San Francisco. San Francisco going on the road to Pittsburgh. That may be it right there. I'll be honest with you, and I'm not a hater of Kansas City. I just don't like them very much, and I just don't have a great deal of interest in Detroit. Maybe it's because of how I feel about Michigan in general, but... Doesn't they bring a lot of interest to me? Don't you think Kansas City is going to run roughshod over the Lions to start the season? I know that big things are expected this season out of the Lions. I just don't know if it's going to be ready right then and right there. We don't get much from the Browns and the Bengals, nor the Buccaneers and the Vikings. I, I may say, and I'm not a big Steeler fan either. I may end up saying the 49ers and the Steelers. In fact, I don't really like the Steelers at all. You look around here. I mentioned the Bears fans. You got Bears fans around here. The second most popular team to the Colts in this market. Don't you think it's easily the Steelers? Without question. Easily. Man, I do. I, Buffalo and the Jets does... It sounds great on Monday night. Man, it's just tough, though. Tough because of all that Jets conversation that you, us, we, I guess if we have it tuned in, we'll have to endure. Sean says, it's a rebuilding year. Can we take a break from the doom and gloom for another year? I Listen, I... See, what you hear is doom and gloom is what I'm talking about is obvious positions of need and what do you think happens? Yeah, make no mistake, it's about the quarterback. And, you know, even with the completion percentage in the preseason, as I talked about on Friday, Thursday night with a breath of, uh, breath of fresh air, I always want to say breast, but I didn't. Breath of fresh air. Just to watch somebody with escapability. I'm not talking about the extension of the play, but the escapability that he has, what he can do athletically. There's really no reason to talk doom and gloom. If you want to talk about doom and gloom, okay, so they're not going to win over six games this year. If they do, that to me is going to be incredible. That's just the reality of the situation. I never really understood why that was so so hard to get. I mean, you have other answers for the secondary? You know, why wouldn't you? Everybody has their own list and where you slot teams, players, position groups to start every year. And because, you know, besides Kenny Moore and Julian Blackman, 
there is a great deal of unknown. And when you're that unknown, you automatically start at the bottom. Nothing unrealistic about that. Nothing unrealistic talking about needing, you know, guys like Dial Dengbo and Quiddy Pay, you know, to finally be a consistent factor in games. You know, offensive line from a year ago to this year, there's nothing unreasonable out of any of that. It's just how you view it, I guess. I, I keep waiting on there being something that happens where there's good fortune or positive or they build on something where where you can come and say, hey, you know what? You had this pegged wrong, but it never happens. I thought, honestly, I thought two years ago, and I talk about this all the time, you bring up that Christmas, Christmas night game against the Cardinals and that win, I thought that was the moment where, hey, see, I told you so, and then they still found a way to bum everybody out. So this is just an honest analysis of this team overall. And it's certainly not our fault that there is a tremendous soap opera going on in the forefront here. You do what you can do. But there is nothing but good reason in that. Hey, JMV, how do you think it feels for that kid from California? El Segundo, California, yesterday. He hits that walk-off to win the Little League World Series where you probably have high water marked as a 12- or a 13-year-old. I think that'd be pretty cool. I think that'd be incredibly cool. Listen, a lot of us have high water marked in a lesser situation. That'd be great. I thought that was fun yesterday. I did. I'm telling you, little leaguers today have no idea what we had to go through in sharing equipment, helmets, bats, catcher's gear. No idea. But yeah, having having that moment as a 12, maybe a 13-year-old, yeah, I don't care what it is, very special. Hey, JMV, did you give a shout-out to your friend Dusty May of Florida Atlantic? as he was the uh, ceremonial grand marshal of the Daytona race over the weekend. And listen, he did a great job with the start your engines call. Hey, by the way, yesterday too, Scott Dixon just does what Scott Dixon does. I think it was Pato Award after that race yesterday uh, in East St. Louis or in St. Louis, the Bomberito. I think he said it right. That's Scott Dixon. That was a fun race. Yeah, Ryan Priest on Saturday night. I don't know. We always find ourselves saying this. I can't believe that he walked out of that. When they had that going in slow-mo of his car twirling and twisting in the air, I mean, it seemed like it was levitating. I mean, incredible to see that. And then for him to be okay. So that went on yesterday, of course, over in St. Louis. Uh, Busy weekend, too. Hey, by the way, Labor Day weekend is going to be a big deal. I'll explain that coming up on the other side. Friday, Backyard Bourbon Broadcast. Again, everybody can attend. 
You know, normally it's just family and friends of that particular family, but now everybody can go. I'll explain coming up on the other side. We'll close it out. James Boyd, Zach Kiefer, podcast 107.5thefan.com. Tomorrow's show preview and more for a final time next. The Ride with JMV. Look at all those ding-dongs. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, John Buzzard said the Tribe Called Quest song, Left My Wallet in El Segundo, has been stuck in my head since that 12-year-old went yard yesterday for El Segundo, California and winning the Little League World Series. I'll come back with a Tribe Called Quest. I played this on Saturday night, requested by Ross in Plainfield, by the way. Can I kick it from Tribe Called Quest? You know, I mentioned our backyard bourbon broadcast is coming up on Friday. Now, the normal operational procedure is that it is family and friends. Family and friends get to come over and hang out while I do the show. But there is a wrinkle to the one coming up on Friday for the month of August. And that wrinkle is, I think actually, when is, uh, when's the calendar turn? When's it officially September? What's Friday's date? Uh, Friday is the first day of September. All right. So I guess we would say for the month of September. But I have affectionately referenced this as the Labor Day weekend bender. So what we're doing is going to Mystic Waters Campground. And it would be great if you guys, you know, rented a cabin or a campsite or brought your RV and hung out with us the entire weekend. But that's not necessary. All you have to do is show up. You can show up on Friday for this show. And then after this show, DJ Skids will play. You don't necessarily have to stay the entire night, but you can. I'll be up there. I'm going to stay on both Friday night and Saturday night at Mystic Waters Campground. Again, check them out today and see if they have anything available for you. But then on Saturday, of course, Friday, we got the Backyard Bourbon Broadcast at Mystic Waters. Now, the usual suspects there. Ford's Garage, as always. Thank you, Richard, for that. Uh, you got us with Heaven Hill Distillery. But on Saturday, for the first time, we're going to take the JMV Takeover out on the road. I'm going to see if I can get Skids plugged in so he can do some live stuff for us there. But that is going to be the All Request Saturday night on the road. And that's going to be at Mystic Waters Campground. So, yes, it is going to be a Labor Day weekend bender. So, if you don't have any plans... Make us your plans to start on Friday and go throughout the weekend. Mystic Waters Campground is off of I-69 at the Pendleton exit. Uh, it goes without saying. I, I promise you, any way, shape, or form, a good time. And we deliver a good time. This is going next level. With this show on Friday, with skids performing on Friday night, and then with the JMV Takeover live on Saturday. This is going next level right here. But I would love, we would love to see you out there. So whatever is comfortable and doable for you, just come out and join us, and especially on Friday, Backyard Bourbon Broadcast for the month of September, Mystic Waters Campground.
See you guys there coming up on Friday. Gigi writes this, so you just unlocked a memory of the entire team wearing the same three or four sweaty, smelly helmets. Yes, and they never fit. Uh, the ear flap would end up going over your face when you were running to first. Remember one time, and this was before the the greatest invention of all time uh, for baseball uh, was the cup with the pocket, the pocket pouch in it. Or I should say the jock with the pocket pouch where you could put the cup. Because besides that, man, that thing would be going down your leg. You'd be, you'd be legging out a double, and your cup would be down, down by your stirrups. Because we wore stirrups back then too. GG, true story. Hey, good show today, James. Thank you very much. All week long until Friday, we go out on the road at Mystic Waters Campground again. Make it a part of your schedule, Friday or Saturday. Love to see you up there. And if you can spend the overnight up there, do it. Uh, My thanks to James Boyd of The Athletic. In fact, James will be here with Jake tomorrow, noon until 3. And Zach Kiefer of The Athletic Podcast, 107.5thefan.com. A rewind of week two of the high school football season. And that of a preview of college football. Greg Rakestraw is on the show tomorrow. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live. Absolutely spectacular once again, you guys. Thank you very much. Back at it tomorrow at 3, right here, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Have a great night.